This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking Terminator, colon, Dark Fate. Come with us if you want to podcast. Now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 384. 384. 384. That's a good number. Solid number. Good, solid post-Halloween number. I I agree. And this week, speaking of post-Halloween, we're talking Terminator, colon, Dark Fate, the... Sixth Terminator film, the third Terminator three, and all kinds of other things that we're gonna get. <laughs> Hopefully, the last. <laughs> well, 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 based on box office, we'll see how that uh, that goes. But regardless, joining us to discuss Terminator: Golden Dark Fate, we have from Forbes. He knows a lot about drapes, and he's very funny. It's Scott Mendelson. Both of those things are true. <laughs> also joining us from Wise to Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, his whole body's a weapon. It's Brandon Peters. I came back. <laughs> Save it for the ladies, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> How are the two of you doing this evening? I am doing pretty well. I'm good. Good. Glad we're all here. Abe, you're here as well. That's always good. I'm here? Yeah. You missed a numerical palindrome last week. Mm, I know. It would have been a bummer. I'm sad about it. I was sad about it. I said it out like I didn't realize until we did the episode. I'm like, oh my god, you're not here for this? And then we all just Soon. Another one, another one will be on the horizon. I, for sure, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we're talking Terminator. Let's uh, get to some show notes first real quick, though. Uh, first up, we've had a ton of bonus episodes last month uh, for October. It was all of our October horror specials. Brand new are part of many of those as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, they were that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, they're all up now on iTunes. That includes an episode on haunted house films, uh, horror scenes and non-horror movies, practical special effects in horror films. Um, let's see, a commentary track for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is my, our most recent one that we released on Halloween, which is, uh, I think, very informative and a lot of fun. And of course, our 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 discussion with Professor Mike Dillon about the Mike West Craven's People Under the Stairs. So yeah, those are a lot of cool episodes. I think we put together for everybody to to, to enjoy. I know we've gotten some feedback that people really enjoy our horror episodes. So uh, you know, be sure to check those out now. Along with the, the the archives of all of our horror episodes, which I do put into like little fun playlists on uh, on our Audio Boom page. You can find like all of our horror episodes in a convenient playlist package if you don't want to go. Are there thirty one of, of them yet? For each day in October, that'd be that's a milestone. I, gotta, I don't think I we have, have to. I, yet. I have to count. We might though. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll we'll see. We've been doing them, I think, since 2015. I want to say. And it's been like at least four years. Yeah, so we might. You know, we're mm. certainly up there. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's there's got to be at least 25 of these. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, those are all up now. Super cool, a lot of fun. Speaking of which, it is a new month. It is November now, and that means we'll have a new commentary track on the way. Um, we'll, we're still deciding what we're going to do, but I assure you, it's going to involve at least two of the people here right now, and it's probably going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, what else? Um, that's it. Oh, no, iTunes reviews and ratings, of course. If you like all of the free content that we deliver, including plenty of bonus episodes, be sure to log on to iTunes and give us a review or rating. It'd be, uh, it'd be great. 
Thank you so much in advance. It's not straight. What the hell have I been paying you for? We don't talk. Uh, I let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Scott, again. you're ruining it. Let, you're ruining I, the illusion. I let Tom Pooper's cats out of the bag. Oh. <laughs> 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 let's uh let's move on from that and let's get to some know everybody where each week we ask each other a question or two try to set the tone for the podcast better get to mm, know everybody really had to wind up for that one <laughs> okay <laughs> i have a question for you guys yes what's your favorite arnie one-liner arnie one-liner see you at the party richter <laughs> i like that I one because lied. Of the context. i know they're not conventional one-liners but, but you know so- what Several of his lines from Kindergarten Cop would be great, great pleasure. His Kindergarten you know, Cop lines? Puma, or, you know, are you eating other people's lunches? Stop it! <laughs> and so forth. Hey, um, what killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the <laughs> Ice Age! The Ice Age. I use that one all the time. Do you use it on your own kids? Oh, yeah. I use it at work. I use it on the road. I use it at drive throughs you know. <laughs> You know, you here's, your, here's your beverage, sir. You know what killed the dinosaurs? What? <laughs> the Ice Age. Mr. Peters, please don't come back to this Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but I have to say, I find myself quoting, you know, I'm on vacation from a good day to die hard more often than you'd yeah. think over the last five years. Yeah, I uh, obviously, but nonetheless, I attend an athletic event. I always start out with the kill the heroes, you know. (laughs) Everybody's like, like, Oh, BNR, man, BNR. Good question. I do like stick around quite a bit because of just man, (laughs) the purpose of the movie. That that is a good one. I don't say get to the chopper nearly enough because I'm usually getting the planes. So, you know, I just don't have the opportunity to. If you're talking intentional jokes, I might have to go with your luggage from Eraser. That one, yeah. I, I yeah. use Eraser lines are pretty spectacular. <laughs> they're so in on it. Um, and that's part of why I like Eraser more than Last Action Hero. It just, like, does it better. <laughs> Last Action Hero is terrible while Eraser is good. Yeah. You guys live in your fantasy land. I will still enjoy Last Action Hero. <laughs> I saw it when I was 13, and it was still terrible. See you at the movie post. I I saw it when I was younger, and it was still terrible. (laughs) And I'm a kid that was growing up watching T2 all of the time at that point. But see you at the party, Richter. That is a good... It's because of how, like, (laughs) exacerbated he is by the situation as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like he's just... That really feels like an off-the-top-of-my-head riff, as opposed to I'm going to stop leaning to the camera and say it. Just a little grin on his face when he says it. As he throws two man's chopped off arms down an elevator <laughs> shaft. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's how you play. No, everybody. everybody. Hashtag okay. screw you. Let's move. <laughs> Total Recall's got great lights all over <laughs> Take that, Benny. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's do some out now quickies. DM. Each weekend out now, we have one with the quickies. All right. Abe, what other movies have you seen recently? I watched Ocean's Eleven again. Still a great romp. I was listening to some podcast about uh, uh, Peter Soderbergh, so I was like, oh, yeah. Steven Soderbergh? Steven Soderbergh. Who's Peter Soderbergh? It's his PA. Yeah, it's his pseudonym when he wants to go to a hotel. Exactly. He just says Peter Soderbergh. Innocuous enough. 
it's still great. So uh, uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. I'm sure that everybody's seen it because if you haven't, then you know what are you doing with your life? All right, <laughs> Brandon, what have you seen recently? <laughs> Uh, I finally got to see because it's playing uh, near me now. I finally got to see Parasite. Hey, it's a terrific little movie that I'd been, you know, seeing other people getting to see it forever, and then I I finally got to take my turn when it's no longer cool to go see it. So I saw it and enjoyed it. Parasite. Well, good. Yeah, be sure to listen yeah. to our episode from last week where we talked yes. all about Parasite. Where they, <laughs> yeah, we're, oh no, what? It was all about Parasite. I also watched a little movie. For Seventeen days, nobody cares anymore, Brad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I also saw um, a little movie. With, I watched it with some friends. It was called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, have you seen that one, Aaron? That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, said Jessica Biel was in it. I didn't see her anywhere, but <laughs> uh, it was fun. Fun. But yeah, other than that, it's my. Uh, old movies on blu-ray I've been reviewing so mm. cool scott what have you seen recently um i saw a countdown with uh wendy last night mm-hmm. uh better than i was expecting um the second half sort of leans into its absurdity and it, it is enjoyable and entertaining uh it's not a good movie but i had a good time with it um black and blue is very good oh. uh it's, it's a classic one of those this is exactly what you claim you want. Yet nobody is showing up type movies. Um, it's just a side. Uh, I think Dean Taylor is the director. Dean Taylor. Yeah. Dean Taylor did the intruder, which wasn't a good movie, but was an interesting film. Um, and I would say both films. And, you know, I'm actually going to write about this before all the fire barrel. Um, we lost power for a couple of days, but anyway, no, it's, it's, they are small, original, cheap, you know, comparatively diverse, inclusive, et cetera, films that are cheap enough to actually be about something specific and not just dealing in metaphor for the issues of the day. Um, and, you know, I don't want to oversell it, but it's a solid, solid picture. And I wish it was it was doing better. Yeah, that's what I wanted to catch up with for sure. I saw, like, the trailer. I was like, this looks solid. And it's got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harris and, uh, Tommy Harris, and uh, uh, Tyler. Uh, not Tyler. Uh, Tyrese Gibson. It's like, it looks Frank like just a, Grillo, is that? Frank, yeah, Frank Grillo. Yeah, it just looks like a solid oh. cop thriller. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's good. And it is, you know, it's 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 not a navel-gazing soapbox picture, but it's very much about what you think it'd be about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if you have the time, it's absolutely worth checking out, if only just to support it. Um, I saw Knives Out last week. Mm. Uh, it's quite fun, quite good. Uh, it does some interesting things with the genre. And that was another film that, you know, and that's what sort of reminded me of, you know, I, you know, there's nothing subtle about the politics in any way, shape, or form. But I have to say, I think it's the first movie I've seen where characters explicitly talk about, you know, living in the Donald Trump era. Hmm. That was sort of startling to me in that, you know, I, I can't think offhand of any movies that have specifically, you know, other than, again, metaphor, you know, fantastical metaphor for, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's it's Hollywood is behind the times in that sense. Uh, in the, you know, that's that's you know, an issue they've they've had. Um, other than that, uh, I've seen a couple of the Apple originals. 
the morning show is okay. It's like the it's like the newsroom, but with half as as problematic, but also half as entertaining. Well, when you when you drop a Sorkin out of there, yeah, it seems. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you lose. You know, it's it's yeah. Having said that, I've only seen the first two episodes. I know they showed three critics, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it's funny, and it, it's it's because it's a streaming show. It literally takes two episodes to get to. Oh, okay. This is what you said the show was going to be about. Hmm. And if it were a network show or even a basic cable show, the first two episodes would have been one episode, and it wouldn't have had a, a, an ounce of fat on it, and it would have been great. Unfortunately, and again, it, it, I told it gets slightly better as it goes along, but it's, it seems to be suffering from the same streaming bloat that a lot of the other shows are, in which it's it's it takes its time because it 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 can. And because even though it's a streaming show, it still wants to be somewhat padded out to be sold in syndication overseas. What a yeah, shame. It's I mm-hmm. Apple dropped this whole thing and I have access to these. I could just based off like press stuff. I could watch all this. Yeah. Like, when am I going to watch what four hour long series along with a half hour show? Like, wh- where is this time that I'm supposed to have to watch all this yeah. stuff? Like, good on oh. them. They have like a lot of great talent involved or whatnot. But yeah, what you're describing to me sounds like my exact issue with most netflix shows where it's like mm-hmm. yeah, okay you have the ability to do all of this but do i really need all of this is there a a more economic way to use this talent and time to make something that's more c- consumable that could you gotta finish it first and before the yeah, next that's show the other thing too. yeah the, the desire to like, get through everything <laughs> to be fair they dropped the entire season of the the morning show for critics mm-hmm. but for consumers they're only getting the first two or three episodes, and then they drop weekly after that. Which I, I think is a better way. I think Hulu does yep. yes, similar I agree. to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's yeah. something I can... Um, I, th- I think is a better model, frankly. But yes. Yeah, behind that. Yeah. I mean, um, the Hulu, though, even though they they what, they what dropped the whole Veronica Marcy's and I spaced it out, I was like, yeah. no more than two a day. Like, I... I... <laughs> Well, I'm the same with every show. Like, I'm, I'm not a binge watcher anyway, but at the same time, yeah. it's like this like weird desire that you want to, like, get something done so quickly. Yeah, and then not retain a single thing of it. Like, what's there's your no, favorite? There's no appreciation. What's I mean, your favorite episode of X Netflix show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a conversation about how it ends. That's it. That's that's yeah. all. All we have a conversation about now. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Comparatively, I there are two new network shows that I'm enjoying the hell out of this year. Which one? Uh, Stumptown and uh, Evil on CBS. Oh, which is. It's kind of a low-key, grounded, religious X-Files. And that's the elevator pitch. It's actually, you know, it's about a priest and a a, a psychologist. Mike Coulter, Luke, Luke Cage. Mike he's Coulter, yeah. yes, he's, he's one of the stars. And it almost defies easy explanation just because it's, it's not leading into anything particularly grotesque. But it, the dialogue is exceptional. Well, um, it's from the, what, the writers of... Uh... Or like the series creators behind uh, the Good Wife, right? If I'm not mistaken, I believe so. Yeah, uh, Michael Emerson is in it as sort of a personification of evil, and he is just—he is wonderful, and the show doesn't overuse him. Which is, you know, I'm only there's only five episodes so far, but I am very, very entertained by the show. And Stumptown is just a rock solid piece of genre programming. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a fun that PI show. That one, I, I yeah. have been able to check out that a couple episodes of that yeah. one. Colby Smulders. Yeah, yeah, her yeah. and uh, Jake Johnson and Michael Ely, yeah. like Jake there's a Johnson. lot of people. In it. Yeah, nice. It's got a lot, it's got a lot of folks in it. Yeah, Cameron uh, Mayer, who I haven't seen in years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's, it's funny as as the streaming wars are heating up. You know, by coincidence, you know there are several old school network shows this year that are just really good, and that you know make me feel that I actually got my money's worth for watching a single episode, hmm. rather than you know jockey in place and then a last thirty second cliffhanger. Well, that's been TV talk with Scott with Talkie Scott. Let's move on back to movies. Uh, I've seen a number of things that I want to get to real quick as we kind of keep things going i saw the king on netflix this is the new david michaud film with timothy chalamet joel edgerton and robert pattinson i really like this movie a lot i was very into it um coming off of his previous film war machine which i did not like at all um i was very happy to see david michaud back because i really like animal kingdom and i really like the rover so it's like okay cool he's back to doing something i really enjoy again uh, and just terrific i mean talk about we talk about netflix and like all the money they throw at all this stuff i mean this movie has terrific production values between this and outlaw king the amount of horses that get stabbed in these things is very impressive to me <laughs> but no, I, wow. I, I, via special effects i assume um but I, I think the film it works really well in telling the story of henry v um you have a very fun performance from joel edgerton as falstaff i mean it's adapted through it's kind of it's kind of an adaptation of the shakespeare works on henry v but it, it has like a different presentation of it that's like it just works for me really well robert pattinson's a lot of fun is like this jerk prince of france who's trying to get at uh chalamet's king every chance he gets uh, mm-hmm. and, and ben mendelson pops in for a good spell because why not and that's just really yeah. fun as well <laughs> um, so yeah the king that's on netflix now it's two hours and 20 minutes but i was into it the whole time um i talked about these previously because i saw one of these at a screening a while ago and the other at the San Diego Film Festival. Motherless Brooklyn came out this week. Anna and I saw that one. She liked it a lot. I like it a lot as well. I, I think it's very enjoyable as far as a kind of big studio actor's dream project swing type of thing. Maybe not in the level of like Star is Born last year with Bradley Cooper, but like I still think Edward Norton and his, his pals just do a fine job making a fun uh, detective movie. Um, Harriet, the other film that opened this week with um, Cynthia Erivo as Harriet Tubman. The movie is fine. Uh, like as far as how it's structured or whatnot, it plays to various convention at the same time. I think I mentioned previously, it does have this kind of adventure film sort of tone to it, which I admired. And I think if we're going to get the first movie ever about Harriet Tubman, I don't mind that it kind of plays into certain things you expect from a biopic. I think it does enough with the actors and the production values that I think director Cassie Lemons just has a good handle on how to present this story. And fortunately, mm-hmm. Scott, it made some money, right? This weekend? Yeah, people actually voted with their wallet a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I liked it too. I think it's a solid three-star biopic. And I don't mean to chide my fellow critics. So the reviews were mixed positive, I would say. But I <clears throat> I was sort of annoyed at the people that were, oh, it's a conventional biopic. It's so formulaic. This is the first Harriet Tubman movie. You want something so cinematically stylized that, that general audiences are turned off by it? You do want something you can show in schools. And that's sort of the you know, part of the point of this kind of thing. So in that sense, yes, it's 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 a very good, well acted, well made, handsomely staged, thoughtfully written, entertaining Harriet Tubman movie that happens to have the same structure as Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, this is true. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 what else more do you want? Yeah, Harriet, that's out this week as well. Uh, let's see. I saw Knives Out. Won't talk about that yet. Saw Doctor Sleep. Won't talk about that yet. Uh, Anna and I saw Playing with Fire yesterday. I will talk about this. This is the new John Cena film, uh, which stars him along with Keegan Michael Key, John Leguizamo, and Michael Myers himself, Tyler. Let me Maine. let me guess. A plus. You know what? I mean, it, it's it's perfectly it fine. 
it's yeah. it's perfectly fine with that cast for a Nickelodeon film about a group of smoke jumpers that have to deal with a set of kids that like land in their in their fire depot smoke for jumper! a weekend. Exactly, I was thinking about Firestorm a lot while watching this movie. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I mean, it does it does the job. Like John Cena and that, like you know, Keegan Michael Key and John Leguizamo can be super goofy, and it lets John Cena be goofy as well, and they're having a good time. Like I can't say it's like you know revelatory in any specific way, but it it has its moments. But Key, Key okay. in particular, I think he has a lot of chances to shine in this movie as far as just like being fun. So yeah, yeah, for a kid's movie, like it's fine. It's it's enjoyable. Um we also saw The Irishman right after Playing with Fire, so obviously it was just a double back to back of very similar features. Um I feel like we'll do a separate episode on the Irishman at some point so we can give it more Breathing room? More breathing room, but I will say it is a Martin Scorsese movie starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci, and so you get a film that's probably going to be pretty good out of that. That's, uh, that's I think that's safe to say. Um, it certainly felt like cinema. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> With that out of the way, that's enough quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the news movie trailers of the week, and this week we're talking Bloodshot, the upcoming superhero film? Uh, based off a Valiant comics book character, uh, played by he's played by Vin Diesel in this film. Its name is Bloodshot. He he's part of that whole his wife is murdered and he becomes a super soldier type of thing, and he has powers and all of this. Yeah, it's it look it looks elaborate in its own way. Brandon, what do you think of the trailer for Bloodshot? Looks interesting. It looks like a lot of. Um, hodgepodge of things I've seen and liked before. Uh, the, I like Guy, I'm a big Guy Pierce fan, so going for that. And um, it, I don't know, it looks looks pretty solid. I don't know if I'm like, ooh, need to see this. Um, On a scale of right one away. to RoboCop, how interested are you in this movie? <sighs> like the remake RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're, is that the RoboCop you, we're talking about? That's, that's the that's the scale. Yeah. There's only one good RoboCop. That's what Hashtag I hashtag my RoboCop. <laughs> uh, I whether will he get my me out to a theater to see it? And not at this point, no. <laughs> if that if that means something, but I definitely would check it out. Reynolds, I'm definitely more excited about it than Babylon AD. I'll tell you that. For Mr. I was excited Diesel. about Babylon AD until I saw Babylon AD. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Which was like, I think the day that came out is the day when, like, was it Vincent? Uh, who was his name? Um, Wasn't it like a super low uh, number, like, grossing number one movie? Was probably, Babylon AD? It was, I think it, was, it was like, wasn't it, was it late August or early September? Or September. Like I think it was in September and it was like, well, it's number one, but it made like $8 million. But who's the director? Uh, it's the it's that one French guy who, uh, uh, Matt Matthew Kasovitz. Like he like released a whole thing about how much like they changed his movie and it was like, like wild like really edit like edited really harshly and everything. So it's like a like an eighty nine minute movie by the time it came out and it's not the vision that he was doing when he made it. Um, and then, like that came out like the day that movie was released at the same. It was one of those where it's like we're doing damage control as the movie's being released in theaters. Gotcha. Yeah. I, so the, I mean, this anyway, is based off, shot. It's based <laughs> off a comic book. I have no. I now know as a comic book. Um, so I don't have any like ties to the character, so I can't can't get angry at them not doing it right. But I, I don't know. It's. I mean, it look looks all right, but it's not like. I don't know. I don't know. It just. All right. I, I mean, looks okay. 
I guess. <laughs> Scott, do you want to see Vin Diesel as a superhero not named Groot? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I mean, look, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Last Witch Hunter fan. And honestly, I've... You're not I've... a witch head like the rest of us on this podcast? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, and honestly, his post-triple-X, pre-Fast and Furious stuff is kind of a blind spot for me. So I do need to see, you know, Babylon AD, uh, uh, The Last Riddick, and uh, the second Riddick. You never saw and, Just Plain uh, Riddick? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, it's got moments. And, uh, Dave Batista has a ponytail, I think, in that movie. Oh, neat. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm watching the trailer, and it does seem like a pretty solid example of, you know, what I would say is, you know, rip off, don't remake. Mm-hmm. In that it's, you know, it's, it feels like a riff on The Crow, uh, The Wraith, Upgrade, uh, RoboCop. Uh, and what have you, instead of, you know, trying to just reboot these franchises. Yes, it's based on a comic book. Yes, there's source material. But to a, a, a novice like myself, who's not big on the, the was the Valiant comics? Yes. I want to say yeah. No. Um, but yeah, it just looks like a fun homage to stuff that I like. Is it going to be good? I don't know. But it looks slightly expensive. There are some good supporting actors in it. And whether it's a spoiler or not, I was intrigued by the memento bits in the trailer. Mm. The scene yeah. that there's more in the plot than, you know, meets the eye. And that's um, why I hired Guy Pierce. Yes. <laughs> He's always up to something. Um, do I think it's going to be good? Eh, maybe. Do I think it's actually going to make money? Eh, maybe. But, you know, I, I, I appreciate that it's, it's a, again, it's a ripoff of The Crow and not a, a reboot of The Crow. I mean, surely we'll get that soon enough, though. I think Jason Momoa is lining up the... Uh... We're almost there, right? It's almost attached? nine years. Is is Momoa still attached? Is he the current one? We're, no, I don't we're so. due for a news item about it where his name will no longer be there. Yeah, so. yeah. Nine, nine years. I, I, I can look up the very first article I wrote for Mendelssohn's Memos about that. I, I look yeah. Mendelssohn's Memos? What a callback. It'll be fun when we do the commentary for The Crow in 2030. <laughs> Talk about like, all, all the do names. Do you guys of really that think were... they're going to make it here with Timothy Chalamet, or is that going to fall through as well? We did, I remember, because I, I sang the Lame is Rob song during the, the climax. Yeah, we did so, The yes, Crow yes, already. We did, yes, we did a commentary for The Crow. We did it for, so when we do like, City of Angels, we'll. For its, uh, like, I think, 25th anniversary or something like that. <laughs> oh, no, hey, that, that just passed. Yeah, well, when Jacob Tremblay stars on the Crow remake, sure get in on that. Abe, what do you think of the trailer for Bloodshot? You guys pretty much explained it all, and and when I was watching the trailer, the part where Vin Diesel, uh, you know, his wife seemingly gets murdered, I was like, man, Steven Seagal movies like uh, like this existed <laughs> in the '80s and '90s too. I'll bet you Steven Seagal is really mad that he's not making movies now like this. Um, has Seagal done sci-fi? He still is. No, he's <laughs> still making like wife dead movies. Yeah, he's making like movies like straight to video, like crazy. There's, has I mean, has he done become... sci-fi? Has Seagal? I don't, I don't know if he's done sci-fi. He's never he, He's never done. He, he was an executive decision where he died in the first ten minutes. So that, that was That's not at all sci-fi, but yes, everybody's favorite Seagal movie. We know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the trailer looks interesting, but you know, on the scale of one to RoboCop 2014. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, I'm not really going to rush out and see it anyway, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to wait for Mendelssohn's memos to, to tell me if it's, uh, <laughs> it's positive or mixed negative. 
Yeah, here's what's gonna happen. Aaron's gonna be like, "Hey, Brian, uh, can you be on the Bloodshot episode?" I'm like, "I guess I'm going to the theater." (laughs) And then he's gonna be like, "Remember when you said you weren't gonna go see it in the theater?" (laughs) (laughs) Sorry in advance, Brandon. (laughs) Is it weird that now I'm too focused on Seagal never doing sci-fi? Like that doesn't that seem kind of odd? It's weird. All of them did. Like, didn't I mean Chuck Norris did? No, did Chuck Norris do any? No, he doesn't go with those guys anyway. Um, not really. Van, Van Damme has Time Cop, which is yeah, awesome. Van Damme has yeah. a couple sci fi at this point. Yeah. Universal Soldier, Time yeah. Cop, Street Fighter is, you know. <laughs> Street Fighter. <laughs> Street Fighter. What was the one where he was the he was the evil twin brother? He was a serial killer, not replicant. Uh, rep- he's got a replicant. couple. Yeah. Uh, he's got a couple twin movies. Just, yeah, he wanted to beat Jackie Chan for the most twin movies. Yeah. yeah. And Arnold, of course. Arnold, yeah. <laughs> It's just weird to me that Seagal's like, I'm not doing Dolph this. Dolph's got sci-fi. Like, I, don't be- I don't believe in technology. Before Brandon Lee kicked it, he even had Laser Mission. Come on. Laser God. Mission? That's a title. Guys. Yeah. That's a generic guy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's remake that movie right away. Laser Mission. <laughs> mission. We can call it like... No, that's just... Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, I have nothing else to add on Bloodshot. I think the movie looks fine. I'm always intrigued by Vin Diesel not doing something Fast and Furious. Right. Though I'm also a big fan of Fast and Furious. So it's like, hey, he's stepping out of that for a bit to do like a movie. When did he have time? I don't know, but I want to see what that looks like. So... Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, it, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it, during pre-production on, on 9. <laughs> and like when Hobbs and Shaw was happening. Although they... Uh, they apparently their feud is over, right? Between Johnson and Russell. That's what they say. This is our time. Yeah. If it's official, I'll see it on Dwayne Johnson's Instagram. It was on Dwayne. It was on Diesel's Instagram, the the more popular yeah. Instagram. That means that I believe it. If they can film a scene where I can tell they're in the same place at the same time, then yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I definitely look forward to that one. Boy, watching eight of the Furious again, I certainly noticed it this time around a lot. Um, before I saw Hobbs and Shaw, a movie that we'll talk about later on. Bloodshot arrives in theaters February twenty first. So, yeah, we'll be there or we'll be bloodshot. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review of the week for Terminator and Dark Fate. Why do you care what happens to her? Because I was her. Sarah! I can see you're very upset. I'm going to help you protect the girl. Nobody else is going to die because of me. You don't make it. Everybody dies. Expect a big pain, brother. The whole body's a weapon. Sorry. When this is all over, I am going to kill you. I understand. I'll be back. That should have been some of the trailer for Terminator Dark Fate. Following Terminator 2, Judgment Day, with James Cameron not in ownership of the rights to his creation, the franchise moved around between studios delivering multiple attempts at continuing the saga of John Connor. 
It resulted in some decent and some very bad films. Now we have a third attempt of making a Terminator 3 with possible, with possible plans of keeping things going. The difference this time is the return of both James Cameron as a producer, as well as star Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. The plot is more of the same, with multiple Terminators sent back in time to stop and protect someone responsible for helping the world against their eventual machine-driven apocalypse. This time around, however, Sarah Connor factors back in, as well as an older T-800 model, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Brandon, we've had a lot of thoughts on the Terminator films over the year. We've done commentary tracks for the first three films. Where are you with what's happened with Terminator, and what do you think of this movie? Uh, so... I mean, just in case people haven't listened to our commentaries or other Terminator conversations, was that was I on for Genesis too? Back when we did Ooh, that, that's a fun question. Mm, that's a, yeah, I can't remember. I also just want to say that I'm glad that you pronounced it the right way. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, if I can remember one thing about that movie fondly, uh, so. <laughs> I love the the original Terminator is one of my favorite movies of all time, as we've talked about here multiple times. Um, I love Terminator 2's good, and I was a person who liked Terminator 3 a lot, and then was not, uh, you know, a lot not thinking it was up to par with the other two, but a surprise that they pulled it off the way that what they did. And, um,. I didn't realize it'd be as divisive as it was. Um, I wonder how it'd be if you slapped James Cameron's name on it and just sold it like, you know, like if he'd have made that same movie, what people would have thought. Uh, Salvation was a pretty big disappointment. Uh, Genesis was a colossal disappointment uh, for me. So I just did, and I, I watched Sarah Connor Chronicles. I wasn't as into it as others. And I thought maybe I'm just into two fi- two films and liking another and not like, this is a franchise I like. Um, before, I, but I'll, I'll say I was initially turned off by the fact that there was a show, but after I got into it, I was like, I like that it actually did try to be like a follow up to T two. It had a lot of the yeah. style that Cameron was going for. <laughs> but I was like, I was kind of under begrudging, like, why are you ignoring a perfectly fine, harmless T three? Um, uh, which brings me okay, Terminator Dark Fate, a movie that they were making. That I was like, yeah, okay. And then they kept showing these trailers that people were going fucking bonkers for it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, before I go too far into it, I thought this was a pretty good movie. Um, I didn't think it was excellent. I, and maybe it's because I am a person who already accepted and enjoyed a lot and still do Terminator 3 Rise of Machines that I felt a bit of a detachment. I didn't feel as like emotional as some people i'm seeing reacting to it um i just felt kind of like the whole time i watched this movie i felt a sense of a small sense of detachment even though they were doing things successfully um i i think a couple of the action sequences were terrific although the better ones happened earlier in the film um i and i don't know i i feel like some of the the special effects took me out of it a bit because they look phony. Um, there's just a phoniness to it, but it's funny because this movie starts, um, with some outstanding, uh, de-aging effects, like some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Follows it up with effects that aren't even as good as T2 judgment day, uh, in terms of feeling like they're a part of the live action stuff. And then I'm watching big, 
sequences that are going for broke towards the end of this movie that I'm just like, eh, because it's more exciting when it looks like there's real stunts happening to me with Terminator. That's what Terminator was. Um, and part of it, I don't think you can pull off this sort of uh, legacy sequel with the Terminator uh, in this fashion, because in this case, you want James Cameron back as the director, not just the, his name on the producer. He touched the script a couple times and here's Linda Hamilton and Arnold back. Like, I think this movie sells. I mean, it had a hard thing to get through because of trashy sequels, um, bogging it down to get people's excitement. Um, and it's not like Terminator has been away forever. We just had a crappy one a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> but this isn't Ridley Scott handing the reins to, yeah, uh, yeah, for Blade Runner because Blade Runner was a project of a Philip K. Dick novel, producers, things like that. Like it did. Ridley Scott didn't fully create Blade Runner. I mean, this is this is James Cameron's thing. Um and it never I mean few people are never, as good as doing what James Cameron does. This this isn't Jared Lucas with Star Wars going the whole way with it. James Cameron falls off of Terminator right off the second one. So they've made them all you know without his input. And I I feel he could have done a bit better around things. Um because this one, I don't know, like Tim Miller, like that's not like who was like he did Deadpool, but this wasn't like they were picking some like, oh, well, James is handing it off to the right guy. This is I feel Tim Miller's still kind of unproven, you know, like who am I to get excited about Tim Miller doing Terminator? But I'll, I'll I don't say know. this about I'll say this about Tim Miller. In addition to doing I did Deadpool, like stuff in Deadpool. What, I, lot, I, let me but, just say this. In addition to in addition to like doing doing Deadpool and doing it kind of in a scrappy sort of way, which I'm sure Cameron admired that. He also is like the founder of a big like video game like company thing. And like there's okay. a lot of work he's done in that capacity that I, I watch movies, is... so I, yeah, I know, I'm like... just saying I'm just saying, as far as what's endeared him to James Cameron, yeah. I can I can understand where that comes from, regardless of how gotcha. much talent he seemingly has presented in the one feature. And I'm not there. dogging him. He does some stuff very well here, but I'm in terms of building this excitement and white at bomb, um but I yeah, and I don't think like Gabriel Luna just wasn't doing it for me intimidating wise as a Terminator. Um, the new term, and I, I wonder how much this movie benefits off sequels having trial and error already up to this. Hmm. Because sure. if this comes directly after T2 and it comes first or whatever, like, oh, we're never going to go see the future or we're never going to, like, you know they got the benefit of trial and error on stuff with questions people aren't going to ask because they've seen them already in other sequels. So there's some odd things here and there. I like Mackenzie Davis a lot. She's one of my favorite performers around and she does very well here. Uh, the girl, um, what's her name? Natalia Reyes. (laughs) Yes. I thought she was, she was very good until a certain point when they showed a, uh, flashback of sorts. And I kind of laughed. Um, it was just kind of goofily displayed, um, but I don't know. It it was solid. It's a pretty good movie. I don't. I will. I mean, we'll get into it more, I guess. But first, overall, I just kind of felt this weird detachment from it, um, while impressed with some things, and just overall, like, well, um, maybe that's because I already accepted the Terminator Three and was happy with it. Like, kind of like with the Halloween. 
in uh, Halloween H2O where it's like, well, I was already satisfied with her first time she came back. And then this, you know, it's not like I hadn't seen or been there for a comeback before. But I don't know. Odd feelings. All right. Well, but overall, I pretty good. I, I know I just dogged it a bunch, but I <laughs> thought it was pretty good. I'm just not no, I think that, with yeah, all these I people. They're like, this is the Terminator we wanted. I hear you. I hear you. Like, well, we'll, no, talk, you, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk yeah, more about it. As, you came across as, as positive. Okay. We'll, we'll delve into it, obviously, more once we get to everybody else. But um, I'll just point out, you actually were on the Terminator Genesis episode with uh, Peter Paris, as well as a friend of the show, Randy Schaffer. And okay. I mentioned that because Randy was on, along with you and Scott, our Terminator 3 commentary track, and I intended mm-hmm. to have a reunion of sorts by having the three Uh-oh. of you guys, along with Abe and I, back on. But Randy, unfortunately, could not make it. However, he did see the film, and he sent me a note that I'm going to read now as far as his thoughts. Uh, Randy writes, for me, it was okay, I guess, but I was also kind of... I also personally kind of hated it passionately, like the brazen looseness of the future world they built. Extremely underdeveloped, very weird experience overall. Felt like they got all the right parts together, and they all kind of aligned-ish, but it was the wrong time, maybe the wrong driver. Maybe makes me upset they didn't make just make the film two and a half hours and throw a little more meat on the characters too. Mm. And maybe just sent it straight to streaming. It would have killed on Netflix, and also not spent 185 million for a movie that looks like it costs 70. So, uh, mixed feelings, it seems, from Randy on, on uh, Dark Fate. But, Scott, where are you with uh, with Terminator Dark Fate? Uh, very mixed, and Brandon cued in a lot of the, my feelings on that. Again, you know, I already had a Terminator 3, and I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Um, I do get very annoyed when, while promoting the next installment, the filmmakers tend to retroactively trash the ones that... A, I liked, and or B, you thought they were fine when you were promoting those movies. Um, you know, if you're going to trash Gore Verbinski's pirate sequels, don't, you know, give us On Stranger Tides. Um, <laughs> that's just going to make me mad at you. Um, and, you know, frankly, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest Cars 2 fan, but I kind of appreciated that, you know, Laster and Friends, like, look, you might not have liked it, but we did. So, You're on the so. wrong podcast, Scott. Yeah, you I was like, I... be careful, Scott. You're treading in dark territory. <laughs> it's a dark fate dark for you. Territory. You started, yes. you started but... insulting cars, too, around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. As for this film, I mean, it very much was, let's do The Force Awakens, but Terminator. You know, you have a loose remake of, I would say, more the second one than the first one. Sure. But nonetheless, a loose remake of the one that everybody saw. Um with a young, comparatively inclusive, diverse cast of new heroes and villains, with the elder franchise stars playing sort of the mentors and passing the torch. Um, and, but, you know, obviously it, this is a very different equation. For one thing, you don't have a terribly compelling villain. You know, Gabriel Luena is, is fine, but he doesn't get much to do. He doesn't have that much personality. And I think as a franchise, they've never really topped the T-1000 because the T-1000 was an idea. It was A, it was a wonderful Robert Patrick performance, and it was also the idea of pitting Arnold Schwarzenegger against this somewhat skinny, you know, almost scrawny police officer that could just kick his butt. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it was it was more than just oh, this Terminator can do cool stuff. It was oh, this this diametrically opposed 
you know, physically, this diametrically opposed version of Arnold Schwarzenegger is his match. And over the last one, two, three, I guess for that kind of salvation, three previous, you know, would-be Terminator 3s, they've sort of just done that again. You know, this time it's a woman. This time it can split in two. This time it's actually John Connor somehow. I'm not really... I'm not sure if that makes any sense. <laughs> movie. <laughs> I just watched it a couple weeks ago, just out of curiosity. It's still terrible. Um, <laughs> Thanks so, for reaffirming. Oh no, it's 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 paternalistic as hell. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, the entire movie is basically, you know, Papa Terminator and boyfriend Reese, you know, debating who's manly enough to protect the little girl that can't stick up for herself, even though she spends the entire film talking about how tough she is. Um, this is not that. <laughs> to be to be fair, um, Linda Hamilton is very good. She does get a little bit more to do than just look tough and shoot guns. Um, I don't want to give anyone any spoilers, but she does have you know a few interesting beats. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is used very well here, uh, probably as well as he's been used since the third film. Um, the uh, the first act of the film is so you know, formulaic in terms of Terminator that it was boring because literally it was, you know, a Mad Libs book. Um, the second act when they sort of slow down and talk to each other is interesting. It's pretty entertaining because that's where a lot of the new ideas come about. Um, I also was confused by the flashback in question because no spoilers, but you see a character who's supposed to be much older, yet that character seems to look a lot younger than they do in the present tense. <laughs> and I, I, frankly, I was I was very confused. Um, I wouldn't say I was confused. I just thought it was like a failure on the part of the movie to really dramatize a moment that's supposed yeah. to leave an impact. Yeah, 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 yeah that too. Um, and then I think the third act is just a lot of relentless, emotionless action because so much of it while it is impressively staged and expensive, it's not cut very well. And it is, the, it is, they are action scenes that we know we can't believe our eyes. Yep. And Brandon kind of hit on this earlier, which is that, you know, a lot of the Terminator films, even the third one, even the fourth one for that matter, the, you know, the first vehicle chase yeah. that closes out the first act of that movie, you know, I can, you know, yeah, I know there's movie magic going on, but I can believe my eyes for some of what I'm seeing. I would say, uh, I mean, as much as I have issues with the fourth film, action yeah. isn't really my problem with that movie. Yes. Like, McGee does what he can mm -hmm. to make some interesting, like, long-take action sequences yeah. that register in a way that feels unique to the film itself and also sticks out as far as blockbuster entertainment. There's just many other problems with that movie. Yeah. And I think rewatching that one for the first time in, you know, ten years, I think it would have been a good movie if it wasn't a Terminator film. Yeah, if it was just called <laughs> Dysto Dy Dystopia Robots. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> bots. I think it works when it's just its own thing, but but anyway. That's, I that's think it'd work if, if Christian Bale was in it for 10 minutes and not for an hour and a half. If they went with yeah. the original script for that movie, it would have been. A, <laughs> yeah. There could have yeah. been something else, but. Um, but as for this film, I mean, the second act is very is interesting. It's entertaining. It's thoughtful. But the first and third acts are basically on autopilot. And this is not a franchise that can sustain a kind of Force Awakens whatever for, for two reasons. A, because it may be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's not the same T-800 from Terminator 2. You know, it's a different character. 
Um, and also, Schwarzenegger and Hamilton take over the movie in a way that, you know, whatever my issues with Force Awakens, Han Solo and Princess Leia did not. Mm. Uh, in, in Force Awakens, and it's no secret I'm not a huge fan of that film, but, you know, they starred, you know, Rafe, Ben Poe, and, and Kylo. Uh, you, you, know, you left that movie wanting to see more of their adventures. This film is basically, you know, they try to introduce new characters. The new evil Terminator is kind of a bust. Um, the new wannabe Kyle Reese, Mackenzie Davis, is fine, but it's not a particularly interesting character. And the new, you know, mother of the future, again, fine, good performance, whatever, but not a particularly specific character. I think, mm-hmm. you know, these, these newbies, part of because, the, you, know, you know, Sarah Connor is basically a co-starring character in this. So she gets a lot of screen time in the credits that could have gone to developing the newbies. Um, and to wrap this up, because I know I'm rambling. Um, I think if this is the film we would have gotten, you know, maybe 10 years ago after Terminator three, then it would have been better received. Mm-hmm. But I think there needs to be some responsibility on the people that greenlit this and spend as much money as they did. Dear God, just saying, look, we blew it. We tried this twice. It didn't work. We need to move on. Uh, and th- this is the reason, you know, if my box office post this weekend were a little grouchy, it's because in this day and age with, with theatrical movie going, being attacked on all sides from streaming and VOD and TV, you know, now you have you know, Hollywood offering this film as a big and very expensive would-be event film, as a major theatrical event, something that audiences have twice said, no thank you. And the, the whether it's chutzpah or arrogance or delusion or whatever of the industry, you know, the, the, the you know, sky dance and, and, and yes, James Cameron, all due respect, you know, I'm, I'm generally team James Cameron, but I think he should have had the wisdom to realize that, you know, the ship had sailed. And, you know, again, it's another film like Gemini, man, that costs an incredible amount of money. That doesn't look like it costs an incredible amount of money. And I think if the film had cost, you know, Jumanji, Venom, uh, you know, Shazam numbers, you know, 90 million, it might have actually justified itself financially. Speaking, um, speaking to that a bit, as far as James Cameron, James Cameron, and it's not like James Cameron needs defending, but I mean, yeah. it's not like he got into the movie thinking, well, this is probably going to be mediocre, but we'll try it anyway. Like he tried to make presumably the best movie he could. That said, yeah. the results based on again what like we got another one of those talk about the you know what went wrong before we have to deal with the consequences type of articles where he talks about how he ended like really do a lot yeah. of work in the editing process to make this movie better than what it looked like before it came out so it's like i mean well yeah, if he wanted to make of... the best movie he could he would have directed it he yeah, would have made it yeah that's yeah. true too of course but he's you know he's stuck in pandora so he can only do so much yeah. um but you know if he had hired someone at least as skilled as you know not unskilled. I don't want to trash Tim Miller. It's not For sure, but yeah, someone that has... No, Alita is a lot better than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Which is talked about in that article where he had a much better yeah. relationship working with Robert Rodriguez than yeah. he did with Tim Miller. <laughs> so it, it's it's tough to say, you know, oh, this you know this didn't work because he didn't direct it. Well, you know, six months ago, we or yeah, six months ago, we got another very big budget, probably too expensive, James Cameron-produced action-adventure sci-fi film that worked. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is you had a director that was more confident, was more experienced. But it wasn't the con- continuation of anything that he yeah. was doing, too. That, yeah, and also is- it wasn't damaged. Goods. We didn't have right. two Alita movies, and this was the third long-awaited yeah. one that he finally yeah, went back to. For sure. You know, the idea, you know, the, 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 the Terminator franchise is as damaged goods as any franchise that I can think of that still has the goal to keep going. Mm-hmm. I mean, Predator. Like, well, yeah, but even that, I mean, the last one just cost too much. Right, but true. They don't spend much on Predator's them. Predator's kind of niche. Like I don't think that's yeah. one where it's like it's this uh, well-respected okay. franchise that uh, you know desperately needs to keep. It's more like yeah, we try this again. Yeah, and again, Robert true. Riggs came and helped with that one too. Right. <laughs> this, this would be like if if Alien, or sorry, if Prometheus had bombed, it didn't, and then Alien Covenant had bombed too, and they said, oh, well, we're going to do a real Aliens three at last. You know, whatever. Fincher's back, guys. <laughs> yeah. Shocked that hey, nobody cared again. What do you expect to happen? I mean, compare well, it to Halloween all you want. That movie cost ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we we talked we've talked about the financial yeah, end of it. Let's talk yeah. about the movie a bit more. And I'll go real quick, and then we'll let Abe go, and then we can kind yeah. of get, open it up a bit more. I'll just say I'm not really you know too far off of what you guys have been saying. Uh, speaking to the action specifically, I'll say what I said to Randy on Twitter about this movie when the trailer first came out. It's got two big planes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> yep. I that is to say. I don't know what I was supposed to take away from this film on an action front, but it didn't really impress me. I mean, I found the the first chase was almost pretty good, except for all of the editing that was taking place. And a lot of that kind of kept happening throughout the movie every time there was a big action sequence. I think mm-hmm. the most effective portion was probably when they're stuck in a jail, I'll just say, is and seeing kind of the capacity that... Uh, Gabriel Luna has as the Rev-9, like what he's able to do in order to get to this target. I think there's a lot more interesting stuff there. And like the nature of it, I, I, I'm not as down on it, I think, as you guys are as far as the performance and like what's this version of a T-1000 is capable of. I thought there was something neat there. I do wish maybe there was, I don't know if I needed more of it or something. There, yeah, there was like a, a something missing that gave it kind of more of life, but I don't know. I think Gabriel Luna gave it a good shot. Obviously not as memorable as Robert Patrick, but like whatever. Um, the, the movie <laughs> itself, yeah. I mean, the it's a chase movie, but the chases are okay. And so once you get to people talking, yeah, I enjoyed it more. I liked Linda Hamilton a lot in this film. I think I liked Arnold even more in this movie. I think he has some legitimate, interesting acting things that he has to do here as far as justifying why this thing exists. And while it could have been very silly or threw me out of the movie completely, instead... There's a lot of nuance there that I enjoyed in seeing a robot um, come up with, you know, explanations for why it's there and what it's been doing and how it's affected that. I mean, it's seeing Schwarzenegger find ways to play emotion as a thing that's supposed to be emotionless. I found that to be quite compelling. I, I don't know where anything would go from here especially given how things wrap up, but I was engaged by that portion of the movie quite a bit. And additionally, I think given what Sarah Connor's doing here, I I was already enjoying what... I'm trying trying to be a little vague, but I, I was already enjoying what she was doing in this film, but then once you get to the reunion between her and Arnold's T-800, there's a good, like, reaction fall in, like, a follow-up shot of her... And, like, all the damage that she's had to kind of endure over the decades that I thought, like, this really pays off as far as what we're supposed to know about Sarah Connor at this point. So, like, I thought that stuff was good, but it does lead to what, Scott, you were saying as far as you're not giving much time to the new characters. 
And, like, they're there, they have a lot to do as far as this movie is about them to an extent, and you need to explain that, but, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't leave much of an impact. I, 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 yeah, I have nothing really else on there, and then it kind of ends with a whole bunch of action that, again, I just, yeah, never really found too compelling. There's a sequence involving water that, in concept, I thought was pretty cool, but in execution, just a lot of it felt dark and kind of blah so yeah there's a lot of dark in this movie like, i mean it's called dark face so i get it but at the same time <laughs> yeah, it, just, it, it, it wasn't as compelling as i thought a movie about terminators fighting each other should be in the action department which i guess is impressive in its own way to make that to make that a disappointment to my eyes where the people talking is more interesting than the people fighting for this kind of movie but at the same time yeah i kind of want to enjoy my terminator fights and i didn't rewatch i only rewatched rise of the machines because one thing, I like the movie quite a bit, and also it's pretty short. Um, but but watching that movie, I'm thinking, yeah, this movie has like ideas for its story, it has interesting confrontations, and it has practical action that I'm really into. Uh, so I wish this was more like that. At the same time, it's much better than Genesis, which was my worst moment that year. And it's a step up from Salvation in terms of having a story that I wanted to see play out to some degree, as opposed to you know, Christian Bale yelling and shouting at things for a bunch and me thinking, you weren't ranted on set for this movie? But anyway, <laughs> hey, what'd, what'd you think of uh, Dark Fate? When the movie begins, I, I thought that this is, uh, I was like, oh, wow, it's pretty amazing that he, that Cameron, Cameron had the foresight to shoot some additional scenes in Mexico of, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Eric Connor. And I was like, wow, this is really, really good. And then, uh, you know, there's a T-800 that shows up. I was like, this is like one of the best renditions of, uh, uh, of this T-800 that we've seen on, on camera since, like, you know, uh, maybe Commando. But I was like, wow, this is really good. And as the movie progresses, you know, one of the things that I, I liked about this is, yes, some of these set action pieces are very good. They are kind of lengthy, which adds to how, quote-unquote, good they are. Um, and as you move in, you guys said it all, you know, with the second act being a little bit more about, hey, let's calm down and talk about some things and how it, it works out and shakes out. Um, yeah, that is interesting. However, when the dialogue hits you, the dialogue isn't very good. And that's a thing that takes me out of the movie because you don't really get a great sense of uh, you have this sense of urgency, but you don't really have a sense of weight to the words that they're putting behind it. And that's because yeah. the characters are really underdeveloped. And, you know, you have this uh, you have Ned of the Rays playing Danny, who who is a, a new character introduced here. And her chase sequence starts right away. Right. You, I think that this film sort of takes into account that you probably have seen Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator 3, maybe the other two. Um, but because of that, it, it kind of does her a disservice because I don't really know anything about this person. And I guess that as the movie goes, she becomes stronger. But at the same time, what I liked about the setup, and this is a nitpick, I guess. What I liked about the setup of Terminator is Sarah Connor is working at a Bob's Big Boy. She's gonna have a baby, and she has she's, she's super innocent, right? She's not having a baby. She's not having a baby yet. She's not inseminated yet. No, no. no. Kyle, Kyle Reese. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Reese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> they show it sense. happening yeah. in the movie. <laughs> I've forgotten. But you, you get a sense of who she is as a person of like, hey, I don't have anything to do with this. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm just believing until maybe the end of the movie or the middle of the movie. Yeah, you, but, you've, seen, you've seen that setup at that point. So you and you get a better sense of who that character is where this yeah, movie is just like throwing you this just, person. Yeah, where... it keeps going. And and you no, know, I like Mackenzie Davis in the movie. I think that 
her as an actress, I like that she was taller than a lot of people in this movie because it, it kind of adds to her like, OK, cool. She is like a soldier from the future kind of thing. That's pretty great. Uh, I, I like Linda Hamilton as uh, Sarah Connor coming back and what they gave her to do. Um, I also liked, like we said, Arnold coming back and what they gave him to do. Uh, I think those were just right, the, the right amount of time for Arnold to be on the on the scene uh, and, and uh, not going there, there's a couple of times where he hams it up, but at the same time, you know, that that's minor. But um, as you go on here, Diego or Diego Luna, Gabriel Luna, uh, I think that he has some good villain in him, but there's just not enough there that makes me think, cool, this guy is like super emotionless, going to kill me kind of thing. Because they gave him like too many schlocky lines. And I was like, is, are, is everyone from the future sarcastic and funny like this, too? Uh, well, he looks they... like a guy that, like, well, if you get to know him, he's pretty nice. That's that, exactly <laughs> what I thought. And I was like, oh, no wonder, like, you know, he can get past security or whatever. But no, that's not the case. He can just come into contact with somebody and just become that person. So uh, the other uh, nitpick that I have is that you don't get a sense of what this T-1000 or this T-1000, this Rev-9 does. Uh, so I had questions. And this is a point where I actually think that exposition is good. In Terminator 2, when, when John Connor asked... Uh, the T-800 to say, hey, time out, and let me explain everything to you. I was like, this is fascinating. No, he's he makes that and stabby weapons. Why does he become a bomb? Well, he that requires moving parts. He can't do that. And this one is like, he's making a copy of himself, and also there's an exoskeleton, or endoskeleton. I'm not really sure how this works, and I wish somebody would take the time to do it. Do you think so, what's going on? I... I maybe and I mean, it's just, I, I it's have, just a have, skeleton with liquid metal on top of it that that's kind of what i was thinking too and so but there's two of them there wouldn't they be independent well it's the same they're less from the from what the movie showed me they're they're less capable when they're separated from each other but they can still they can still function together. so like yeah but just one just remains a skeleton while the other's still liquid metal yeah. stuff and I, and I so again the the suspicions are correct but as as it goes in total summary like it's not terrible, but it's not. It doesn't knock me off my seat. And Brandon, to your point, the thing that I really disliked is, and I guess, I guess to your point too, Scott, is the ending sequences and the ending fight sequences. They're just poorly edited. It's really yeah. choppy. So that's Tim Miller because Deadpool feels the same way too. And that's what I really didn't like about you know the Deadpool series is Ryan Reynolds is a funny guy and he's he's making the character, but all this action, I just can't see what's going on here, and that really is a detriment. You know, they have some good set pieces here, and they have, like, some interesting takes, um, but it's just sort of taken for granted. When you guys mentioned to me what the budget was, totally blown away. I did not know <laughs> yeah. that it I did not know yeah. that it cost $185 million, because, like what you guys are saying, it looks like it costs 70 or $90 million. And when you guys said that, I was like, this is this is sad. It, it is a, It's unfortunate, because where did you guys go? You guys went to, like, three locations in the movie, and that's it. So it's, it's really a bummer, because... Uh, it, I think it could have been amazing, especially given that it feels more serious in tone. Uh, I think that's your point, Aaron, where, you know, they, they kind of go with like, um, like a, a T4 or not T4, but the Salvation McG kind of try to make it go ultra serious, but turn out to be ultra goofy. And and with this one, it, it feels like they're trying to just go even keeled here. The future is still the future, but a lot of questions about that future as well. So in general, it's just it's fine. Um, and it's okay at some parts. It's actually amazing in some other parts, like some action sequences. But it, it does feel leave me feeling as though I'm missing out on some good characters that could have been, I guess, further expanded upon, but also 
uh, would have maybe really care um, about what this movie was trying to do. Scott, it's funny you pointed out Knives Out as being a film that's in like a post-Donald Trump era, uh, where this film, it, it is <laughs> yeah. as well in its own way, where it seems like it's trying to tackle immigration and like and, and immigrants in its own way. Where Was any of that effective to you as far and to, any, to everybody no, as far as... They lack the courage to even broach it yeah yeah it, it's they i mean it's they, they go to that i thought it was gonna say a lot more than the nothing that it did when they hit I that mean, this is in the trailer otherwise i wouldn't be mentioning it there's a scene in the second act where the rev nine is that what, yeah yes basically mm-hmm. slices and dices a bunch of immigration agents and in today's you know being things what they are that is a frankly a shades of gray image in a certain context and that seemed kind of you know when i saw it in the trailer like oh this is interesting as people in cages Uh, are freed and running rampant as exactly you know this is this is you know i i I, you know there are people that would consider certain you know ice to be the new gestapo um some people say um and i thought oh okay well that that that's interesting but, you know, the movie doesn't deal with that at all. The fact that they are Hispanic Amer- Americans, and there's quite a bit of Spanish in the film, that's actually, mm-hmm. that's, um, is almost irrelevant. And it almost, if I were a cynical person, and of course I'm not remotely cynical at all, I'm totally <laughs> a cynical person, I might argue that they saw the reaction to The Force Awakens a lot of the reaction was, yay, it's a female hero with, you know, the, the sidekick is a black man and the other hero is from Guatemala, you know, representation at last. And they almost thought, okay, well, that's, that can almost be a, a preemptive shield to make our movie seem more important than it actually is. If I were cynical. Mm-hmm. Well, you also, uh, you, you mentioned Force Awakens. I think the, the mistake they make here. Is in the Force Awakens, uh, with that motif in the Legacy sequel. They, the the idea is that you take the, you take the similar journey that you've taken before, but you you got to do it with new people. These these people aren't new. They're they're just yes. held in place, and that's why they kind of they kind of bore a bit while Arnold and uh, Linda Hamilton are given new aspects and more depth to their characters than we had before. Right. Uh, whereas these new people are just sitting in the place of the old ones doing the, they are literally I mean, placeholders. It's, placeholders. It's, why, it's why I was trying to figure out the significance of grace, because that is something that they're trying to do that's different, where it's not just a machine that's sent back, and it's not just a human that's sent back, it's this, like, enhanced soldier that has abilities that a normal person wouldn't, and I, I, I was really hoping that that would lead to more, but it just feels like a stepping stone before Sarah Connor arrives or before the T-800 arrives. Where She's Kyle like, Reese with the T-800's abilities. Exactly. Basically. And so it's still like, it's commendable on the part of Mackenzie Davis for doing what she can as an actress to make this sort of work. But like, the tension between her and Sarah never really does anything. The tension between, or friendship or bonding, whatever you want to call it, between her and, and Danny never does anything for me. So it's right. like, what was... What did we get out of this in total? Like, I, I, I'd be happy to see... Like, it doesn't... You know, Edward Furlong and Arnold Schwarzenegger in T2, that's a great relationship. Uh, Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton in T1, that's a great relationship. I, I can't say I really got much out of the Grace-Danny relationship, which, especially given... 
how well, the, the movie go. Like it seems like I should. It seems like it, it well, wants to earn some moments that it just doesn't. It does the problem. Yeah. The movie has this old movie trick of. I have something to tell you, but we can't tell it right now. That too, yeah, meet me at the phone. Factor. Meet me at the phone booth yeah. at nine o'clock. That type of thing. When they have, <laughs> they're sitting there with plenty of time. Yeah, and they whole... know they need to divulge information, and there's no good reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, there's right. a big withholding element, and there's even like Sarah Connor trying to hammer it down by saying, "Well, yeah, of course they need you. They need your womb. You're gonna have a hero born inside of you. That kind of." It's like, okay, like, it's really going to be shattering to me when we reveal what's going on. Really. And when they <laughs> reveal it, it's only, like, tweaked. It's like, oh, you know, like. Well, and I, I I was sort of, you know, I was surprised that that was supposed to be considered a surprise. Yeah, same. Yeah. That seemed to be, oh, okay, that's that's fine. It right. feels like the effort was divided too much where we need to both make this a surprise and make the actual like visual reveal of it feel impactful. Yeah. Because yeah. you because they put too much emphasis on having these two different things occur instead of having like either a lot of emphasis on the reveal or a lot of emphasis on the visual representation of it, it just comes off as kind of a all right. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can get away with just telling on this. That's what they did yeah, with John Connor. They, it actually it actually kind of impacts me a little bit more when they were just talking about it, and then they yeah. do the visual thing. And Brandon, to your point, there was a WTF moment. I was like, I I don't like what I'm seeing on the screen here because it doesn't look it, it's like laughable. It's yeah. laughable in a big moment. And 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 then the other part that I didn't like about that scene in specific is they relate it to another. After Mackenzie Davis is done, they relate it to another character with. Uh, like that you've known in the history of the Terminator series, and I was like, "That's a that's a bummer because now you're just why do you, you didn't have to do that? You didn't have to say that. Oh, this person's just like this." And it's like that's really a bummer because now uh, Danny Ramos's character is just like it feels she feels insignificant, you know. And Scott, that's your point about the Force Awakens. Like they never say that Ray is Luke, you know. They, they, yeah. they she's she is who she is. She grows up. She's a she uh, trades for junk, and she lives by herself in like an abandoned starship. And well, well none of them in Force Awakens are what would be on the outside. The, there's, those there's characters. Not a, there's not a one to one for each of them. Yeah. No. The, I mean, Ray Ray comes from a desert planet, but she's a scavenger. Luke wasn't a scavenger. Uh, Finn's a former stormtrooper, and then Poe's a resistant pilot. That's not what we had to lead us in the charge in the original trilogy at all. Um. And, you know, at the very least, you know, something like Ray, you know, Luke was a character that lived with a stable family that wanted to go off and see the world. And Ray was basically homeless, who was waiting on, you know, in desolation for her family to come back to her. Yeah, that, that makes me sad. And I'm thinking about it. Right a surrogate family. You know, that's. Yep. that's um, and where the perfect answer to that question would be that her parents are nobody. Like, I, it just makes yeah, too yeah. much sense that yeah. nobody wants to accept that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Ryan let's, Johnson is amazing. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about some good things in the movie, because it feels like we all kind of gave it a pass, even though we're talking about nothing but bad things about this film. Um, <laughs> I, I, because it's not, like, here's the thing. This movie needed to be amazing, and it was just good. I don't yeah. Know. That's fair, yeah, I guess, in terms of how you relate to it. At the same time, what I, think, I like I think about... that comes with the marketing, too, where it says, like, oh, guess who's back? James Cameron. But, yeah, but the marketing did terrible for me, so if anything, I'm We're more doing impressed. We're right. I'm more, I'm more impressed it's... because this movie ended up being good despite the marketing. marketing. Um, yeah. For me, anyway. Some people love this trailer, so I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, what I part of what I like about this film is that it does get... I mean, writing aside, it does get off and running and just kind of doesn't stop it just it takes some <laughs> even like the stuff in the middle that's the stuff i like the most so i can't really say it sags there where 
Salvation in Genesis, whatever, but that's what I like about T3. T3 takes place in a day, by the way, if you don't recall. Yeah. T3 takes yep. place in less than 24 hours. Right. <laughs> and that's that's something I really like about that film. It's a chase. With a pretty that solid just... message at the end. And here's it, the thing. Yeah. T3 has iconic moments in it. It does. Despite being a divisive film, there's the Arnold and the, with the casket and the that's sandwich. It. I mean, there's, yeah. there's tons of iconic moments in that movie. I don't know what's from here. Like, I guess Linda Hamilton two with planes. the rocket launcher two from planes. the trailer. <laughs> I was hoping that'd be towards the beginning. I knew it wasn't going to be, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, it, no, a little it's, 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 no, it's for sure. It's a for sure Sarah Connor with a rocket launcher. That's easily what it's supposed to be." Um, but what I'm saying though, I do like this movie. Is just it it goes back to pure like this is a chase movie. That's what we're doing, kind of thing. And it does sure. and it does feel obviously yes. Their intentions were probably to make a very good movie because who isn't trying to make a very good movie when you're making a movie? But I do think that there is a kind of we're obviously not going to be as good as T2, so let's just have a lot of fun doing this anyway. Sure. And that's that's something I really liked about T3, and that's something I do like about this movie. It like know, it feels yeah. like it has just enough ideas going on to make it interesting in terms of Arnold and Sarah Connor and whatnot. Yeah. And has enough, regardless of how effective they are, it has enough going on in the forward momentum of the action sequences to be like, okay, we're just like going to get this chase going and we'll have it, we'll have our fun, and we'll stop and explain things on the way. I think another yeah. positive aspect to it, too, is there's... It kind of flips by really quickly, but there's a sequence uh, where they're talking about, you know, some interesting things that are happening to Sarah and how she gets notified via phones and whatever else. And I was like, that's a pretty interesting story of Sarah Connor, Terminator Hunter. Um, yeah, like, like, I, I like that comic book spinoff series. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they kind of like end it abruptly. And it, it's also the, the the explanation of it is OK, but that would have been fascinating to, to kind of just see here even like she looks very pretty on the screen she's a which... looper she's a exactly looper. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what i thought and i was like whoa sarah connor became a looper but um no she looks too pretty on the screen whereas like oh if she had like scarring the way that mackenzie davis's character had i'd be like oh she didn't give a shit about anything anymore like and she's just there to like you know end as many lives as possible from the future with as many guns as possible. Your complaint but, is that Sarah Connor's too good at surviving. Like that's what you're talking yeah. right no, now. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not my complaint. That's like a minor, minor nitpick. But it, it, the idea, the positive is that, hey, there were some ideas um, that were tossed around here that I liked that they talked about, but they, they do gloss over it. Um, I hear I hear you because I, I do like what they established that Sarah Connor apparently does has been doing in her off time. Right. But it does. It just speaks to like how much I like Arnold in this movie because of all the stuff oh, we're yeah. get in a lengthy backstory explanation. What they do with him is like it's it's weird, but it works well. And it's one of the unique and awesome things about this movie. Yeah. Is where they set him. And it, it's an odd choice. It's, it's kind of reminds me of like what they did with Hulk and Endgame kind of choice where it's like, okay, that's yeah. odd, but I'm going to go with it. And that that's one thing that really does work for the movie a lot. And I was really compelled with, you know, I hate to say in the movie where, you know, they bring Linda Hamilton back and it's girl power there that Arnold was the most compelling thing. But I really like that angle they took with him. They didn't give us too much of him. Um, and it worked perfectly. And he gave a, terrific performance mm-hmm. there's a moment where he has to say goodbye to, to a couple characters and like you don't hear what he says you don't really see much of anything but that moment has a lot more weight than most of the things that see in the film it does and, and then I there's a reverse I, I, shot too that mm-hmm, works really mm-hmm. well and i think that speaks to both arnold's capabilities as an actor but also what it seems like james if james cameron was part of breaking the story on this thing 
I can't imagine this is not a big part of like what he was contributing, like these elements to it. Like yeah. this seems like the the meat of the stuff that he he was interested in. In the same way that Ridley Scott is clearly more interested in androids than anything else in the Alien world. It seems like <laughs> it, seems, it seems like Cameron is like I, I yeah the the, cy, the cyborgs. That's that's what I want to like focus on here. You guys you know make some new characters, whatever. Like and I'll you know give you mm-hmm. some some notes on what Arnold can do. Who we who we got around this time? That's what Arnold comes to set. Like, what what's our situation now? All right, cool. And like, as far as Ar- like to speak more on Arnold for a bit, like this is, I'm not gonna say all of his films in the past ten years have been like great, but th- there are there are a lot of fascinating choices he has been making as an mm-hmm. actor, and I think this just adds to it. Where he has movies like what the aftermath one, where he's like has he's lost his whole family. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the the zombie one, the zombie one? into a zombie, or even sabotage, which I hate and I think is a terrible movie. But like the last like five minutes of that movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I like the, Last Stand. That was a good one. Last Stand. Yeah, the where's, one, where, where's the where, sheriff? Small town. Yeah, where, where mm-hmm. he's he is the Austrian sheriff in a small town, and no one questions that idea. They're just like, yeah, yeah nobody questions it at all because he keeps but, him no, safe. But like in terms of him, be he's exploring his age a lot. Which is not unlike what we're seeing in The Irishman, by the way, as far as things that are very interesting to me and what we're exploring. Um, What I'm saying is put Arnold in a Scorsese movie. But no, I mean, I do think that this only reflects further on what kinds of choices he's making as an actor. And separated that from, like, just the fact that it's a giant franchise, I do commend him for, like, putting the effort in. It's easy to just walk into this thing and, like, you know, completely ham it up and say all the one-liners and do all this bullshit with the whatever else he's done in these other movies where he kind of sends up his personality, but it seems like just like how I admire Sly Stallone with Rocky and even Rambo to an extent, he still cares about playing this character correctly as yeah. opposed to John McClane, where Bruce Willis just kind of <laughs> gave up in the last movie. He's it's got a son there, now. There, there, isn't, there is an effort there to be like, I still want to appropriately match what's being done with this character because sure. people deserve that kind of respect. I yeah. think in general... What's interesting to me about Schwarzenegger is that, and this is a super simplistic comparison, but really since end of days, which, you know, basically since his heart surgery, uh-huh. and then certainly the movies after he, he finished his term as governor, he's basically been doing the shootest over and over again. Hmm. Yeah. You know, the idea yeah. of a, you know, a former grand gunfighter who's old and retired and, you know, basically just existing until he finally dies and with, with nothing but regrets and, and, and bad decisions. Um, and you can debate the autobiographical elements of something like that, especially in, you know, Sabotage and, and Last Stand. And uh, what was the one between those two? Yeah, <laughs> the Escape Plan is his best Stallone collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there is a lot of, you know, regret and, and you know, Humphrey Bogart in a Lonely Place type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think the reason why he's, you know, why his work in this is much more interesting than the last one, the last Terminator, aside from it just being a better movie, is that he's, 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 he, he applies what he's been doing outside of the Terminator franchise and puts it in the Terminator franchise, if that makes any sense. No, it does. I hear you. Um, but as far as the film, and it's, you know, it's 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 fine in a pay six bucks to see it in a Saturday matinee kind of way, uh-huh. but again, it annoyed me the idea that, and this is one of the reasons I was sort of one of a grouch about the Force Awakens, is that you know I I was concerned correctly as it turns out that the lesson that was going to be taken was that you know when you're appeasing the fan base, you know getting it right 
is just now another code word for just do it, you know, re- remaking the thing that worked the first time 20, 30 years ago. But um, I, I mean, I, I understand that. that. I just, I, I thought do. that with Terminator. I felt that with Force Awakens. I hear, I hear um, what you say when you yeah. say that. At the same time, I just feel like it. There's a necessary, if you want to call it evil, fine. But there's a necessary yeah. evil in doing that for something like Star Wars, which is something that's yeah. going to be expansive for the next, you know, for eons compared to Terminator, yeah. where it's constantly on its last legs. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's 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 it, it, it's, and I you know I I look forward to rewatching the Force Awakens after I watch the Rise of Skywalker. Because you know, I, I, I it is. You're you not going to do a Mendelssohn family rewatch and watch all eight movies before uh, <laughs> before you. Eight Star Wars. They only like the cartoons. Um, but uh, but no, and 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 I think in retrospect, you know, it's. I would like to think that the Force Awakens was a necessary evil to get to the Last Jedi, but we'll see what how the Rise of Skywalker plays off of that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, not to get you know. Uh, too off topic, you know, to a certain extent, the, it's up to the rise of Skywalker to show that this franchise, this trilogy was even worth doing. Yeah. Well, well, speaking. But... What I'm hearing is that we're all looking forward to Creed 3. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what the else? rise of Duke. Where, where they spin one of the E's back, uh, flip it around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or Creed, Creed with three E's. Creed. Creed. <laughs> three E's. Creed. Creed. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Terminator Dark Fate before I move on? Now, let, let's give our rating. All right. Um, when should people go and see this movie? Brandon, when should people see Terminator? Uh, rent it. Scott? Uh, cheap matinee, because it is a big screen picture, and it looked fine in IMAX, yada, yada, yada. I'm right there with you. Abe? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Brandon. So it's a rented. All right. Well, with all that in mind, let's um, let's move on now. Abe, what um, what time is it? Quick game, buddy! Little known fact, that's actually the original barbecue song that plays when the Rev 9 drops, but then they decided to go back and call back to T2. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's how it was. <laughs> that was, of course, the improv theme for games. Abe, what game do you have for us this week? I've got a movie quote uh, game this week. It's called Terminator, 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 Terminator. Um, but first, award season time. Uh, this is for everybody. What is the only Terminator movie that has been nominated for Academy Awards? Terminator uh, 2 Judgment two, Day. Maybe, yeah. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> and do you guys uh, know what it won and what it was nominated for? Visual uh, effects? Vi- makeup. Visual makeup and visual effects would be my guess. Yeah. And I, what else was it not? Sound editing? and Sound, sound. yeah, mixing wait, and wait, wait, sound. Wait, what did it win for? You guys it won for visual effects and I'm going to say makeup. makeup. Okay, got it. Did it win two or did it win three? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you guys uh, guess that part out. I okay. I want to say one for like sound editing. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, anybody else chiming in with nominees or, or wins? I'm going with. I agree with Aaron. Uh, yes, edit, editing might be a nomination as well. Got it. Uh, it was nominated for film editing. Yeah, well, go ahead, Scott. The JFK won for editing that year. Yeah. yeah oh, bang! Uh, yeah. It was nominated for best editing, mm-hmm. best cinematography, best makeup. Best visual effects, best sound effect editing, and best sound. And it yeah. won for best sound, best sound effects editing, best visual effects, and best makeup. Four Oscars. So four. But you can't nominate wow. a movie like that for best picture. No. It, it's one of the best pictures of all time. 
And I, I knew I, I, well, I knew it, I knew so it wasn't editing because yeah, definitely JFK was the winner that yeah. year. <laughs> I knew that one for sure. Um, and yeah, the set, I thought it might have been like some like Disney musical or something. One like sound mixing or something. That's why I wasn't sure. Be, on the no, not sure. Could have been. But it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that so famous that... song from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, now, now it's time for Terminator, 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 Terminator. This is where I read you guys a quote from one of the Terminator films. If you know the 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 name of the movie in which the quote is said, buzz in with your name and tell me the name of the movie. Make sense? Sounds good. Yep. First things first. You still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's Aaron. what he does. Aaron. Terminator. The, the Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, the Terminator. 1984 is the Terminator. Thank you. <laughs> Next one here. He'll live. Uh, uh, Scott Middleton. Yeah. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Your judgment Day, that's after he shoots yeah, that guy shoots in the knees uh, after getting, going to get Sarah. She Next one here. Nice nightmare for a walk, eh? Aaron. Aaron. The Terminator. The Terminator is correct. Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> and if I said it more robotically, it would have been the T-800. Nice night for a walk, eh? <laughs> you sound like McBain. Terminator 2 is also correct, since I believe that scene happens in that one, too. It actually happens in like Terminator's uh, Genesis or something shit like that, yeah, right? That weird yeah. not not Ben Ben no one that not Bill Paxton walks <laughs> yeah, in exactly, and mm-hmm. like this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Next one here, you and me. We've been at war since both uh, before either of us have even existed. You even tried killing my mother, Sarah Connor. You killed my uh, father, Scott Kyle Reed. Uh, Terminator Salvation. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Next one here. Talk to the hand. Aaron. Aaron. T3, The Rise of the Machines. Thank you for that. Uh, next one here. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Scott Mendelson. Scott. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. That is correct. Yeah. You said his full name before I could even get my first name out. <laughs> <laughs> his full name. Scott's on this. He's trying to win it. He's in there to win it, dude. He to win it. The next one here. There are 215 bones in the human body. That's Aaron. one. Aaron. T2. You guys are really speeding now. <laughs> Alright, next one here. You are terminated. Brandon. <laughs> T3, the rise <laughs> of the machine. Yeah, the board, baby! <laughs> because if you said, you're a terminated motherfucker, that's the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> but I also said, you are terminated. Uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Here. Uh, you gotta listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative or some Aaron. shit like Aaron. T2. <laughs> This script I have memorized, like, I can really probably go. Great script! (laughs) Great script. The next one here. And then you found me. His name was John Connor, and he changed everything. John showed me how to fight back, how to rise up. Go ahead, Scott. Oh, a Terminator Genesis. (laughs) That is correct. Uh, Two more. Uh, The next one here. The system goes online August 4th, 1997. Humans' decisions are missing. Scott. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. That is correct. Last one here. You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene? Give me a fucking answer. Fuck's sake, Aaron. man, you're right. The behind-the-scenes set work of Terminator <laughs> Salvation. That is correct. Yeah. That is... Well done, Abe. <laughs> there are a lot the of J. highlights. Okay. There are a lot of highlights of that, be real. But, like, yeah, hearing Christian Bale say Mick G is very funny to me. <laughs> it's so funny, because he says it like, like, 
I don't know. Like he's saying, like some big artist name, like the J. Because <laughs> he has to say Big G. Yeah, in, say I, need, I need to t- I need to speak to an authority figure right now. Let me call to Mick G about this. <laughs> you know, like Prince was directing him. Like, Prince, <laughs> Pitoff, uh, Pitoff, come here. The, the part that I like most about that rant is when he says, um, "You know, you're a good guy, but you're fucking amateur." <laughs> yes. It's like, dude, why are you why are you berating him and then complimenting him like, oh, it's not terrible, but you're also terrible. I was telling Scott when we were walking out of Dark Fate. That's the lot. That's the footage I want to see. That's the Holy Grail footage of it. Like, wanting to see the actual footage of them shooting this with Bryce Dallas Howard just sitting there, like waiting patiently for this man to stop shouting about things. <laughs> and, like the, the Shane Holbert, the cinematographer, just like accepting this from christian just yeah <laughs> yeah speaking of bryce dallas howard it's funny how uh like weren't salvation trying to act as if terminator 3 didn't happen yet carried over a character from it no that salvation plays like a sequel to it does but i remember the buzz being like oh this is kind of ignoring that and well i mean there's nothing really to directly follow up there it's just like, right yeah there's john connor and he has a wife now like there's no real story yeah. threads that you need to keep carrying through but it was clearly <laughs> Catherine brewster yeah, I know. I'm saying, yeah, like, but it's not that. like the movie needed to be like, you know, like, hey, remember when we were talking about Kripke's basement during that car chase? Like, I mean, yeah. that's oh. like, really, really go on. With all that being said, that was a fast and furious game between Aaron and Scott. Brandon, I was glad you had on the board. Got one. Aaron, you narrowly won six to five against Scott. No! That's right. Six to five to one. You can't see it right now, but I'm slowly lowering myself into a vault of liquid metal while giving a thumbs up. Yeah, your thumb is. (laughs) Now I know why you cry. Hashtag for for John. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up. Aaron, take care of my that's what I was uh, waiting for in Dark Fate too. What is young? What is the son of Miles Dyson going to pop up in here? I, right. I thought that that was major in the movie. The That's what I thought guy, too. Yeah, I said that same thing. <laughs> I was like, it's "Holy like, shit!" They, re- they, re- talk yeah, about I parts where shot. I cried, guys. Talk about parts. Did he never see him again? Yeah, well, he just got <laughs> shot, I think. But like at the same time, yeah, like when a you know a black military guy comes up to Sarah Connor, who's like the only person she knows, it's like. And he's mad at her. He hates her. Yeah. Yeah. This this seems like this could be a Dyson. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, dude, I remember what you did to like me back in 1987. Like, let's let's figure it out here. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, let's move on to some out now feedback. Feedback. His name is Legion Dyson. Anyway. <laughs> is it really about that? They pulled the born uh, legacy on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she needed meds, not chems. Yeah. Exactly. They did. Yeah, we didn't we did talk about this yet, but yeah, there were there was a lot of chems action going on of Grace's character in this yeah. An unnecessary <laughs> obstacle that never really amounted to shit. In the, yeah, it really so, did. It, yeah. it was like one scene and everything else was like, oh no, I got a bunch of needles full of the things I need now. Well, no, she's able to, I guess, sustain that, that one of them, the drugs are better here than they are in the future, so she's able to sustain them for like 48 hours versus like 10 minutes in the first but place. But it, it's nothing, it just is meant to slow down a scene to talk, but like, yes. yeah, that's it. But it also gives her a vulnerability. Yeah. Well, love loving people was her vulnerability, Scott. Now that was her strength. <laughs> you dog. That was a good what one. I, what I know is love is a battlefield. That's what I've heard. There you go. <laughs> I mean, didn't you see the future and all that battlefield love that was going off the T eight hundreds slaughtering people at the beginning of the movie? 
All right, we'll remember, be back. Remember, we'll be back. Okay. Real, just real quick. Remember how that was super compelling in like T2, especially when you see like, look at the budget that they have now. And now you just see robots invading on a beach through the water. Like, yeah, that looks fine, I guess. They like, didn't look so... that good. Because they were models. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that. That's exactly why, because they were really there. <laughs> now it's like, you know they can do anything. Like, it used to be like, whoa, they're really defying what limitations there could be. Now it's just like, well, we can just type, type, type. There you go. There's your imagination on display. But they still, Brandon, they had two big planes. They did. And they touched. They touched. They, yeah. They All also, right. oh my gosh, by the way, Gabrielle Luna does not like windshields, does he? <laughs> No, no, not at all. Like yeah, he, human, every... like windshields were more in danger from terminating, giving terminated. <laughs> terminated. Yeah, <laughs> like he did not like windshields. Yeah, he was a real. He he was to windshields what Bruce Campbell is to bookshelves in Evil Dead. Right. Yeah. Like jeez. All right. Feedback. We're back, we're back, we're this back. is where we go the various questions and answer on our Facebook page, Facebook conversation on the podcast. We asked a number of listeners some questions, and then they gave us some questions we could answer. First question we ask everybody, who is the toughest mother in film? Jim Dietz has Joan Crawford, Mrs. Voorhees. Jeff has Ellen Ripley and the Alien Queen or Queen Alien. Thank you, Jeff. I was also going to answer with the same answer, so thank you for... for I, I wrote Queen Alien for you. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> Jeff, now i got to take the credit back and give it to Aaron because I was going to shout out Queen Alien. No, all the rest of responding cool gifts these days. <laughs> the next uh, person, Chris, writes Gina Davis and the Long Kiss Goodnight. Shelley has The Bride, and lastly, Stephen has Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction, because his wallet always says, bad motherfucker. Who are the toughest mothers in film? Obviously, Queen Alien. <laughs> I mean, the ones we nailed down, I think, are pretty good here. The Bride, Ellen Ripley. Those I mean, are... Even even Gina Davis with a Longest Connect shout-out. Sam Jackson's yeah. in that, too. Yeah. Miss Incredible? Miss Incredible. Miss Incredible. Yeah. Um, oh, uh... Yeah, okay. Um, Beatrix Kiddo. Yeah, the bride. Yeah. Right. Oh, the bride. Oh, I was I was now, going now to Frankenstein's monster. So I was like, wait, she's not. Oh, a... sorry. Yeah, we didn't meet the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> I was like, who did she? Who did she give birth? All right. Well, next question. What actors feel defined by the roles they've played multiple times? Who has done the best job? Scott writes Sean Connery, or as Bond. Jeff has Keanu Reeves as Neo and John Wick, or Bruce Willis as John McClane. Uh, Kate Beckinsale as Celine in the Underworld films, and Mila Jovovich as Alice as and Jay in Silent Bob. Uh, Ricardo has Wolverine, and Dennis has Sly Stallone as Rocky. Those are some solid answers there. Yeah, it's got to be Stallone, or just by default, just because you know Stallone didn't have a doesn't have that many hits that aren't Rambo and or Rocky films. Ditto uh, is defined Jack. by these roles. Yeah, that's a good way to think mm-hmm. of it. Um, Instead of a huge actor, that he became a star because of Wolverine and played the role, what, nine times? Interestingly, Uh, though, I don't like, I don't confuse what, not that I'm saying people confuse these people, but I don't like, I do think of Hugh Jackman when I think of Hugh Jackman. Like, I don't think of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He was sort of the last of his Mm. kind in that he got this huge commercial breakout franchise role and actually became a star from it. And I think to a certain extent, Hollywood saw that. And that's part of what was responsible for them constantly taking these, you know, the Charlie Hunnams and Taylor Kitches of the world thinking, you know, we're going to put them in these $200 million pictures and they're going to be a star. That's how it works, though. I mean, like Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth, Jesus, so many Chris's and Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt. <laughs> <They're> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so many criticisms as I say this, <laughs> but they're, they're they're I don't feel like they're defined by being Captain America or Thor yeah. necessarily. They feel like they have personalities. Uh, I'm still overwhelmed by the fact there's so many criticisms. I mean, we, we say <laughs> that, but gross. but the 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 people piling in the the billions of dollars of those movies aren't going to their other ones. Yeah, that's certainly fair to say. Yeah, on that in that regard. But, but Marvel time, people feel... are huge movie buffs, guys. They're <laughs> huge movie buffs. <laughs> but like, I mean, yes, it doesn't apply to someone like Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt for like you know many multiple Mission Impossible movies. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise. He was yeah. Tom Cruise before he, he was, was Tom. Hunt. Yeah, he was Tom Cruise before. I'm pretty sure his name was Maverick before it was Tom Cruise. Sure, <laughs> and like the same with like Robert Downey Jr. He was he was already Robert Downey Jr. before right, he was right. Christian 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 Bale. Interesting. Bale's a tricky one because I feel like people do because he. I think they just recognize him because he's a very good actor. But yes, he's also yeah. Batman. I mean, um, he was a. I mean, he was a known child actor, and then and like had, a fairly respected actor really, upon taking the mantle of Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman like, yeah, just in terms got of his being film, known in a, films bigger. Yeah, in terms yeah, in terms of being known in wide circles, sure, it was more limited. Not everyone was like, man, did you see? Uh, I'm not gonna. I was gonna. Do you see the machinist the other week? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what about what about? Let's go way back. What about like Charlie Chaplin, The Tramp? Like, that's it. Yeah. For most. I mean, that's actually an excellent. I have example. a lack of context in far as far as how people recognized like silent film stars, particularly yeah, someone like Charlie, like Charlie Chaplin or Harold Lloyd, as far like as like these people, like how if they really saw them out in like roles outside of these, you know, things that they you know made them famous or whatnot. Mm-hmm. George Reeves was tragically defined by Superman, mm-hmm. as Christopher Reeves. Frankly. Christopher Reeves, right? Yeah. I mean, Christopher Lee had Dracula forever before like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars came really late in his career. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was. I mean, he and Guinness were the heavy hitters of the cast when they you know, walked into those franchises yeah. or those that the the first film that became a franchise. <laughs> anyway, I think we've sufficiently answered this question. What's yeah. next? <laughs> Next question is, uh, who are your favorite cinematic uh, protectors and or bodyguards? Scott has Oddjob and Goldfinger. Justin has Liam Neeson as Brian Mills. Christopher has Oyoke, uh, uh, Okoye, sorry, uh, Denai Guerrera in Black Panther. Frank Farmer has Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard. Uh, Michael has Kevin uh, Ryan Reynolds in The Hitman's Bodyguard. Frank has uh, Clint Eastwood in The Line of Fire. These aren't people. This is just Christopher listing the names oh. of these characters. <laughs> Sorry, John John Kale in White House Down. I was like, we have a lot of feedback on this. Hold on, <laughs> did anybody name Tony Ja who was the protector? Yep. <laughs> I was going to. I mean, that elephant. elephant. Yeah, that elephant man. <laughs> the elephant man. Mike Banning <laughs> in Olympus Has Fallen. Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Corbin Dallas in the Fifth Element. And now yeah. Tony Ja as the protector. Yes, the elephant my man was very clearly going to be Tony Ja the protector. Yeah. So thank you for that, Chris, making me uh, all confused there. Any other bodyguards we need to name at this point, or just Tony Job doing Muay Thai to get back his elephant? Uh, Tony Jobs jo- the best. A bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, that yes. came up. The, yeah, Kevin Costner and the Bodyguard, a movie that certainly exists. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, favorite non-human movie villains from recent years? Any classics? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, has Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. <laughs> I accepted. <laughs> Scott has Ash from Alien and Hal 9000. Patrick has Thanos. Wait, are these supposed to be modern? Like, 
I said not. I said non-human movie villains from recent from Re- recent years. Are you um, counting that? Counting the Alien re-releases. But I, recent but I also years? I also wrote classics question oh. as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Thanos. Jeff has Magneto because they're gods among men in the GIF that I believe he uh, <laughs> posted. Justin has the T eight hundred and Ava from Ex Machina, which confused me. Um, but I depends on I guess your interpretation of who's the villain in that film. Um, and then Michael Lee, friend of the show, has Lego Joker. Ah. Okay. Uh, uh, Cujo from uh, Cujo. <laughs> Kitty Galore from Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. There you go. Anything from Bob- you, Brandon? The Babadook human. Do we call uh, that human? Uh, is it in her mind or is it a That's person? Is it real? <laughs> is there a Babadook? I mean, uh, I'm going to say yes. It, I mean, it, he broke up with Pennywise. I know that. Oh. <laughs> They, yeah. they, did, they did. They had. They had different politics. <laughs> I mean, one of them lied, yeah. and the other one died. That's the laugh that he had when he when he talked about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he started dancing. Oh. Uh, anything for you, Brandon? Uh, Ruben movie villains. I don't watch many movies. Um, good answer. Uh, what about like the thing from the host? That monster. That was good. There you go. Get that thing. I'll throw that in there. That's weird. Next question is uh, who are some American heroes you want to see films for? Uh, Irene has. I would like to see the story of Robert Smalls, a slave who at 23 commandeered a Confederate ship and piloted through enemy waters to the Union Army. He was pretty badass and eventually gains freedom and his families too. Yeah, that'd be a cool story to see. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going. What are your favorite neo-noir features? Mm-hmm. This is in relation to Motherless Brooklyn. Uh, Chris has Brick, Frank Miller's Sin City, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, Scott has Le Samurai. Todd has Blood Simple. Jim has Miller's Crossing, Killing Zoe, Road to Perdition, and Blade Runner. And Irene has LA Confidential, One False Move, Body Heat, and Devil in a Blue Dress. De- Devil in a Blue Dress is a good movie. <laughs> the, where I'm waiting for Denzel to be like, fine, let's do some nostalgia sequels and finally make another <laughs> easy Rollins movie. There you go. I feel like Carl Franklin is available. Uh, pretty all solid. pretty good answers. Yeah, it's a pretty solid list there. Uh, next question, moving along here. Favorite Edward Norton films? Chris has American History X. Justin has American History X. Rounders and the obvious Fight Club. I can't say dislikes of any of his movies. Uh, Christopher has The Score, The Italian Job, Rounders, and Fight Club. Eric writes Keeping the Faith, Kingdom of yes. Heaven. Uh, lastly, Todd has Moonrise Kingdom and The People vs. Larry Flint. And Primal Fear not come up in there? Did not come up. No. Wow. There you go. Primal Fear. A bunch of really good movies. Uh, Birdman. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we're just naming movies I like. <laughs> so <Yeah. it's>, <laughs> like, pretty simple. When American History X is like one of on the kind of more of the least of mine as far as favorites go, it's like yeah, it's a pretty good list of movies. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Questions. We we got one question. It's from Adam. He asks. I'm curious to know. How both of you stay so fit and trim. Great question, Adam. I love it. I genuinely do. I am trying to run a little bit more with more padded shoes. I'm, I'm running with like extra support shoes these days because my knees are, are super terrible from running these past like two decades. You know, you just don't have kids. Don't have kids. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> Let me write that down with like a, a pen. <laughs> yeah, all those photos of Scott in prime running shape before he had kids, I'm sure really. Um... <laughs> I was in prime running shape. There you go. My lungs weren't in prime running shape, but... <laughs> you were no Robert Patrick, that's what you're saying. 
I wanted to be when I was a kid. That was like the coolest way to run imaginable. Yeah, I agree. Like arms like knives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The Mendelssohn wore tennis shoes. Well, that was feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on. Now, let's start wrapping things up with a little out now presents what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu ray, DVD, 4K, and all that this week. First up on uh, for home media, we have Fast and Furious Presents colon, Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, it was I. Hobbs and Shaw? In yeah. this movie? <laughs> yeah, you got, you got both of them. Jeez. <laughs> Um, the Art of Racing in the Rain. Okay. It happened. <laughs> I heard, like, mix positive? Yeah, hey, I believe David Bax, friend of the show, was like, he was, he was like, he was very, he was very, uh, like, hyped up about talking about the film, but he didn't want to, like, overstate it. He's like, yeah, it's fine. But you know what? I had a good time. So that's, that's what I had to go on with that one. Um, scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I heard some say it's a cinematic page turner. That was a uh, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. That's a ridiculous statement. I know. How weird. <laughs> no, I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it yeah. was pretty. Neat. I thought it was okay. I think it kind of. <sighs> it doesn't end well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> lacks the courage of its convictions. But when they're telling those scary stories and it's dark out, let me tell you, yeah. I was into it. <laughs> Pages I leaned are into turning. my bike to yeah, see that. Exactly. By the way. I Thank you, in. Brandon. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Also out the kitchen. Uh, I heard mixed negative. Uh, I thought it was a solid, well acted three star whatever. And I, I wish would seen it. I wished it was a solid three star whatever. I thought it was a blah, two star whatever. It sinks. It doesn't. <laughs> also out, Ophelia. This is a. It stars Daisy Ridley, if I'm not mistaken, and it's Daisy Ridley of, as the sticker says on the box, Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> Rise a, of the. We Skywalker. hadn't met her yet. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. It's a. It's a promotes on the box. <laughs> yeah, I believe this is like the Hamlet story told from told from his sister's uh, perspective. And uh, let's see what else. Memory colon the origins of Alien. This is that documentary about Alien. What's hmm. different about this one that isn't already stated on the fantastic documentary, two documentaries that are on the Blu-rays? From what just, I understand... Is it just for people that don't own them? I mean, that's part of it. But from what I understand, the perspective of this documentary is anal- analyzing specifically the chestburster scene. Like, that's, like, what it's trying to go at and, like, what it what it all means and whatnot. As opposed oh, to so it's like the shower scene documentary from well, Psycho? It's, it's that same director. So, uh, yes. Oh, okay. Also out, Undercover Brother... Too. Really? With, Mike, with Michael Jai White. Talk about <laughs> legacy sequels. Which is kind of weird that Black Dynamite now is Undercover Brother. <laughs> right. Dynamite! Doesn't Dynamite. make sense. You can't be both. So yeah, that's a directed DVD or Blu-ray Universal sequel to join their fleet of Scorpion King and Death Race sequels. <laughs> mm. Undercover Scorpion King 8000. <laughs> uh, let's see. TV, we have Good Omens. That uh, Amazon series with from keep hearing good things about it. That's a good show. I liked it. Yellowstone season two. That's the um, who's the guy that wrote Sicario and uh, Hell or High Water? Uh, Ben Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, that's the show he has on um, your dad's TV station. Uh, What's Paramount? The Paramount. (laughs) Your dad's favorite show. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and Castlevania season two. This is the animated series that was on Netflix. I really like this adaptation. Favorite show. 
Uh, let's see, specialty stuff. We have Galaxy Quest, the 20th anniversary edition. It's this week on, uh, on Blu-ray, which has nothing new but a new Steelbook case. Uh, let's see, Shout Select, you get Snow Falling on Cedars. Okay. Not Finally. getting reviewed by Brandon Peters. <laughs> <laughs> From Kino, you get Hitchcock, the International Collection. So number of his international books. That's in December. Oh, got moved? Uh-huh. Oh, well, someone didn't update their thing. <laughs> Making me look like a fool. It was November, late November, early on, but now it's... Yeah, well, the charts got updated. And there's a new Cats Blu-ray out for a recorded uh, show of, uh, of Cats. What? Yeah, the Broadway show. Building the hype. Come on. Sounds good, I guess. Yeah, watch watch, watch it. Memories. Um, On 4K, you have a lot of Disney hits this week. Moana, Big Hero 6, Utopia, Princess and the Frog, Tangled, and Universal Soldier. All favorite Disney classics. Universal Soldier? That's my favorite Disney film. (laughs) Those are all in 4K this week. Sounds great. New to streaming this week, we have The King, which I talked about already. That's on Netflix. Also on Netflix, we have Atypical Season 3. We're fans of that show. Okay. Uh, let's see. The End of the Effing World Season 2. That's out this week. It's a movie, but it's chopped into t- bite-sized things. So they can pretend it's a TV show. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Seth Meyers, Lobby Baby. He had time to film a comedy special. That's on uh, Netflix this week. And uh, She-Ra and the Princess of Power Season 4. Oh, wow. Season four? Jeez. I know, right? I was four. surprised, too. I was like, didn't this show just start? <laughs> I was going to be able to check it out one day, but now there's too many episodes, so I'm done. Yeah, well. You're not missing much. I, I wish it was better than it was. My kids like it, though. <laughs> On Prime this week, we have Jack Ryan, Season 2. Good job again, Season 2. I've seen a couple episodes. They're pretty okay. I enjoyed it's the a, first it's, it's the most okay show there is on streaming. <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> like a show you can watch after Yellowstone season two. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Yellowstone. That's the one. Yeah. That's cool. one. <laughs> and I noticed Chinatown's on Prime now. So, you know, if you see Motherless Brooklyn, you can be like, yeah, Chinatown did this pretty well also. That's a... a question that comes up on a lot of quiz shows. Uh, what is the sequel to Chinatown? The Two Jakes. There you go. Now you know the answer, listeners. You know who directed the two Jakes? Ooh, I don't know. Jack Nicholson himself. Yeah. What? That's right. Yeah. He, he was only. Like, uh, how he can he take care of, of like tri- a, a, an abandoned, empty winter mansion and direct a movie at the same time? Yeah. Well, it was the it was the trifecta. They only got two thirds of them because Polanski they they wouldn't shoot it overseas. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although you can call it a trifecta if you include Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah. Interesting. Get the whole big. The whole Jake Giddis saga, Chinatown, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and the two Jakes, and then follow up with like the Pledge. The just Pledge, yep. Yeah. The Pledge, yep. And then just take a load off and watch as good as it gets again, because that movie probably holds up. Yeah. <laughs> Fun movie cover. Yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> Fun movie cover. Jack Nicholson with glasses holding a dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> that really is as good as it gets. Yep. <laughs> Greg Kinnear smiles in the background. Uh, next week, that was that was what's coming up. That was, that was a skeet now. classic too. It was a skeet classic. We gotta ah. do the skeet the skeet chronicles podcast. That was one of his like one. Stallone cameo type roles. Like, yeah. Stallone, yeah. <laughs> but he had been acting in larger roles before that, so that's kind of weird. But anyway, we could 
probably do a good Skeet Ulrich podcast if we really wanted to, guys. That's oh, I think that there's probably enough to to cover that. Yeah. If there was a the We Heart Hardneck podcast, we can there could be a um I don't know screaming for Skeet Skeet shooting with Skeet. Skeet. Yeah. <laughs> shooting, the, I mean, he he's got a lot of uh, movies under his belt. Oh, we we call it Oh Skeet Skeet Movie Lover. There you go. <laughs> oh, skeet, skeet podcast. With intro and outro songs with the Petey Pablo and uh, Lil John songs, yeah. Yeah. We could probably get him to be on the podcast, dude. That's the other thing. I think realistically, we could probably get Skeet. I mean, we are getting we that Disney probably. money now from Scott. This is the best part of this show this week, by the way, where we ramble on about Skeet Ulrich before <laughs> wrapping it up minutes before it's we, We've already got uh, Chill Factor in the can, Aaron. We could just... Yeah, exactly. We bring that... That's like a, that's like a pilot. That's a pilot for the show. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. So what was it? Touch? Is that the one? Touch is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a movie. We'll watch, like, Scream last. <laughs> oh. All right. What's the, what's the Ang Lee one? Um, Ride with the Devil? With the Devil. Yeah. Yeah. Two seasons of Jericho. Jericho. Awesome. Yeah. Four years okay. of Jericho. All right. Next week's show, we're talking Dr. Sleep. That's right. Ooh, Speaking spooky. of The Shining, which we were which kind of got on before we got Dr. Sleep, Sleep good. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about Doctor Sleep, the upcoming um, sequel to both the, the to The Shining that's adapted from uh, Stephen King's novel, which is a sequel to The Shining, mm-hmm. which uh, ten, which which dares to think, what if we adapted this book and re- reflected both the, the The Shining, the book by Stephen King, and the movie The Shining that Stephen King hates. So we'll see how that goes next week. But for now, what should, people, what should people go and see now, and what do pe- what do you plan to see next, Brandon? What should people see in theaters right now? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I saw Parasite. Go see Parasite if it's playing by you. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then if you're too lazy to go to the theater or you don't want money but you pay for a streaming service, I guess uh, <laughs> check out My Name Is Dolomite because it rocks. There you go. What are you seeing next? Uh, Doctor Sleep. Scott, what are you people seeing in theaters right now? Uh, Parasite, if it's near you. Jojo Rabbit, if it's near you. And Black and Blue. What's up next? Uh, I'm seeing The Report with Adam Driver and Annette Bening on Tuesday, as well as uh, Last Christmas on Tuesday evening. Hmm. I might be seeing, I mean, I think, yes, I'm seeing Frozen 2 next week. Uh, or this week, whenever this thing drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and I'm going to try to do it. I'm probably going to do a double hitter of Dr. Sleep and Midway on Friday because I, I was unable to do the press screenings due to fire. Abe, where are you at? Uh, see all uh, everything that everyone said above. I haven't seen them yet, but the small movies or the indie movies, I should say, are, are seemingly um, amazing and incredible right now. Uh, and next, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, The Lighthouse. Those are all very solid movies to uh, to watch. I'm glad people are enjoying The Lighthouse. By the way, I've seen a lot of like good like that movie seems like <laughs> such a this is going to turn most people off type of movie. Yet, like Midsummer, it's like actually I like The Lighthouse quite a bit. I'm like okay, good because it's really it's weird but it's good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's... Yeah. No, I I, I enjoyed how seemingly non-crowd-pleasing it was, so imagine my shock that it seems to actually still be pleasing the crowds. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, I know I talked to you about this. It's like, you know, my wife, who 
frankly prefers, you know, grindhouse horror more than artsy fartsy horror, but she did enjoy Midsummer. And I huh. almost took her to the lighthouse as a date night choice. And wow, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, <laughs> those movies are out. Uh, Harriet's out. I, I do think that's a, a good movie. And yeah, if you're at home, like Brandon said, Dolomite is my name or The King. I think those are both uh, solid things to watch there you go. while you while you wait a month to finally see The Irishman since they're <laughs> playing in like eight theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, next I'm seeing, I got a few things, but I'm seeing uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo in Dark Waters, the sequel to, of course, the Japanese horror classic. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Last Christmas and the French Les Miserables. That's not Les Miserables. I'm seeing that soon as well. So I got a lot of things going on. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now, Theron, and Abe. You can find more of my work on Rehearsal Blog at CodeAzeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing about Watchmen and Walking Dead at We Live Entertainment, along with my other movie reviews, and I'm covering various films on YSLBlue.com for Blu-ray releases. And I'm on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe? You can remember more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Moo, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag, this will be difficult to explain to Alicia. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> uh, Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me at wiseofblue.com with my written stuff and uh, called Cinema Cavalcade with the audio stuff as we'll be tackling the month of uh, November doing our thankful month this year. It's for Donna Spear, which is our way of getting back into the Andy Sedaris filmography. Um, and then we got some cool stuff uh, planned for uh, December. So, oh, hashtag for John. <laughs> Scott Mendelson, we're going to find more of you. Uh, Forbes.com. Uh, please Google Scott Mendelson, Forbes, the ticket booth, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm at Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson dot, or yeah, at Scott Mendelson. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. But that's more just for bleak posts and family photos and occasional snarky comments. Um, it's what yeah. the people want to see. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's <clears throat> you can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Automatic, HSWD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, right on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, feel free to check out our Instagram page, uh, Instagram.com slash underscore podcast. And, you know, there are ways to send us images of scary clowns. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Are we Tumblr, still doing that? <laughs> if, if Tumblr's not your preferred Come place on. to do that, I'm just saying. It Chapter 2 got a Blu-ray announcement recently, so I'm just, it was on my mind. I gotta say. Uh, well, I guess it ties in. <laughs> it was just Halloween. <laughs> yeah, but now we're in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, n- n- nothing that's, how, like, that's how time works. <laughs> nothing like scary clown November. That's turkeys why, and clowns. Turkeys and yeah. clowns. Oh, yeah. That's, that's my that's my favorite um, <laughs> Uruguayan uh, alt rock band, uh, Turkeys <laughs> and Clowns. But uh, anyway, Scott Brandon, thank you both for joining us. Thank you, week. Scott. Thank you, Brandon. Hey. Thanks You're for welcome. having thank you. For sure, glad to have you guys on here. Glad to talk about Terminator. Thanks to listeners for listening. Until next week, so long and goodbye.
Yeah, we, we got to do the teaser trailer where they had like that sad song. I forgot how the lyrics go. Yeah. I'm going hunting. The effects didn't change much from the trailer. 